one-off series called I Stole It at the Movies. We're taking a look at six films, Danger Diabolic, Grand Slam, Victoria, Fast Five, Welcome to Collinwood, and Nine Queens. Jason, Buckle are you up. ready to do some crime? <laughs> I, I, this, see, I love these movies just because this, I, outside of like, just head up gangster movies. This is like the thing that I, I love. I, I love these these types of shows, especially because I'm you know obviously I'm a big Mamet fan. So this whole idea of like the the bait and switch and the con man and all of that stuff like really really speaks to me. And then when these are done well, they're just so much fun. Um, so yeah, no, I'm I'm let's I'm ready to do the crime. The, I I was just gonna ask like, why why you enjoyed these kind of like crime or heist movies so much. You know, I love the puzzle aspect of it. I just love seeing. If you've seen enough of these, you kind of know how they're going to end up. Like what's going to happen. You know, there's gonna be a double cross kind of somewhere, or sometimes a triple right. cross. But you're always wondering how. Like how is this going to happen? Right? Why is it going to happen? You know it's coming, and that's part of the fun. It's uh, yeah. As you, it's again, it's trying to figure out how the magic trick is done. Right? It's always trying to figure out where the sleight of hand is happening, where you shouldn't be looking. So you're just constantly like scanning this. And obviously, this is like. When they're put in movie form, it's like an Agatha Christie novel where it, there's it, there's too much cheating going on. You can't figure those out. There's no, you know, you can't see behind the scenes, right? So like, well, when, but also Agatha Christie is garbage. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But I mean, it's look, they're 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 really they really are like Rube Goldberg machines. They really are mousetraps. I mean, they are, and they make no fucking sense. That's why, like. Poirot has to come in and explain to you like, <laughs> how he figured it out because you're like, no, that's that didn't work that way. I remember the first time I read Ten Little Indians and uh, and being so mad at that book because I was like, well, there's just no way I could have figured this out. Like, I mean, you can't pull the rug out from underneath me without me ever knowing that there was a rug there in the first place. I mean, that's not fair. But I mean, eventually, once you just go with that, <laughs> it's not a Zen cone. You're not on a mountain. There is no mountain. <laughs> oh wait, what the fuck? How did this happen? Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, when the person you killed off six—spoiler alert for Ten Little Indians—but I, <laughs> that when the person you killed off six comes back to life and is, ends up that being the murderer. Okay, well, yeah. How was I supposed to know that when I'm just reading through your your pulpy novel? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, if it's okay with you, can we start in an unnamed European country where a master thief has everyone on edge? <laughs> can we yes. start with danger, diabolic? Meet Diabolic, a bank Robin Hood who battles the cops. He robs from the rich to give to the girls. Ask Eva. Oh, you shouldn't have done it. She can't get a good night's sleep unless she's covered with money. Master sports car racer. Master skin diver. 
Master Lover. Master. Ask Eva. Diabolic, the absolute gold-plated end. Ask Eva. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And if you want to take on, the, if you want to take on this, <laughs> look, look. Here's the, the, the. This is a 1968 film directed and co-written by Mario Bra- Mario Bava. I mean, how would you? So we have, basically, we have our thief, Diabolic. Before that, we have <laughs> our our police lieutenant, Jinko. Yes, and yeah, yeah. he is pulling. He is pulling a ruse. He is stuffing an armored car with with paper <laughs> to make it look like there's money in there because he's trying to trick Diabolic because they know that Diabolic is going to be after this cash. Well. Spoiler, Diabolic knows what's going on and ends up stealing the money anyway. And then it becomes this kind of cat, cat and mouse game. Uh, Jinko employs Volmont, the, yes. the gangster. Valmont. I'm sorry? But just Ralph Valmont. Ralph is. Valmont. <laughs> Ralph Valmont. A notorious Italian gangster. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> um, he employs a Valmont to to sort of help entrap Diabolic. It kind of blackmails him. Yeah, it's kind of like a, a really almost a yeah. It, it all at all costs, let's get this guy dead or alive. He's wanted. He's basically uh, Diabolic is just steals everything because he wants to steal everything. The guy is. Batman. He lives in an underground lair that has to have cost billions of dollars. <laughs> billions. It's, it's he so dresses good. in an all black or all, all white, white bodysuit with the badass, the most badass eye cutouts of all time. This guy is like lithe and like just sinewy and athletic. And he's got a beautiful woman at his side and he just steals because it's got to be some sort of compulsion for him he has to steal everything that's that's yeah. around yeah. and, and it, at one point he steals because it's it, Eva Kant is his, his his lady companion at one point he steals because she fancies a necklace that mm-hmm. someone has and you know, basically he's saying like did you see anything you want for your birthday and she's like yeah this emerald necklace that so and so owns <laughs> he's like cool I'll go get it no problem <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> but even that is a setup but do you know and I'm sort of like jumping in yeah, no, here please. But, <laughs> there's no other way to do this movie this... there really isn't do you know the history of this I don't oh I don't. okay so this it's based off a comic book that was written by two sisters Started by one sister, and her name was Angela Giussani. Uh, she was born in Milan. She was a teacher before World War II, and then married Gino Sansoni, who was in the publishing industry and advertising industry. So she worked as a model for some of the some of the ad campaigns that he had. And but she wanted sort of more autonomy, more kind of. Um, 
you know, independent. So as the marriage was falling apart, she ended up starting her own publishing house. And this is what came out of it. Danger Diabolic came out of this. She was looking for more leisure literature for adults, something that a commuter could stick in their pocket and be entertained for a while. Right. Um, she eventually moved back to her mother's house, and her sister, Luciana, helped her write the stories. But these were, these were called um, Italian black comics, or fumetti neri. <laughs> so they were more focused on anti-heroes, villains. Right? I mean, so the bad guys were the heroes, or you know, you're you're not not typical heroes like Diabolic. But in the comic, Diabolic had this code, almost like a Robin Hood-like code. I don't see any code really here, other than like I can do this, so I will. Yeah, there's something. There's no morality that's keeping him from um, hurting anyone or or only stealing. So I mean, like he clearly steals, but he I mean he clearly steals from the rich. He's not like stealing. Uh, you know, he's not a common thief because again, he has an underground lair that he goes to. <laughs> right, right, right. And he has this. He has you know he's he has jaguars that are expendable. You know, he has. <laughs> Way more money. He probably wastes more money doing heists than he actually gets when he <laughs> in the return. You have to wonder about the profit margin on all these movies, right. actually. Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but but um, so yeah, Jinko sort of sets up or sets Valma against Diabolic. Jinko is kind of your stereotypical cop in this movie, right? I mean, he's just like, he's going to do anything he can, right? Even if it's bend and break the right. law. Even if it's to get in bed with other criminals and, and, to, right. and to, like, forgive their crimes so they can get diabolic. Right, right. <laughs> Falmont's ridiculous. They're on a yacht. He's got, like, hookers all around him. Uh, yeah, he's, he's, <laughs> he's kingpin. He's, I mean, so, he's so great, right? <laughs> he, he has a trap door in his plane, his private plane, that, that he just, like, Dumps people out of how much this all like all of this when you watch this it is all just Austin Powers everything yeah, is okay just, good everything is just spoofed off of this I mean like even the Ennio Morricone um, or Morricone uh, score but it, it's still like it's just all very it's all day glow it's um, it's all sixty synth pop but yes there's <laughs> <laughs> Valmont like lures someone he's talking to I forget who he's talking to in his plane and gets him to the center of the plane and then the center of the plane just opens up and he just falls out <laughs> and then he shoots another guy just yeah. on the plane I'm like this is probably not smart <laughs> not, not at all no <laughs> and so so finally and th there's also this sort of government subplot where these Bureaucrats are just constantly kind of like getting fired and getting replaced because no one can stop Diabolic, and then everyone decides to stop paying their taxes. <laughs> <laughs> right. Everyone's like, okay, we're just done paying taxes. And so they take like all the gold reserve and melt it into one giant like thing. Right. right? Like, so, so Diabolic can't steal it. Right. They make it into the the biggest gold ingot ever, bar ever, <laughs> and yet still diabolic steals it, steals it. And then this is sort of the the climactic end of the film, where diabolic is melting down this giant gold ingot, so he can spray it into an ice cube tray, a, a gold ingot. Basically, tray. yeah, he's basically breaking it back down into smaller, spendable versions yeah. of gold, yeah. right? <laughs> Bars of gold, essentially. Right. And I love the exposition. This laser gun will melt anything. 
Yes. Staying back. Yeah. <laughs> the science is not sound. No. And, of course, he's in a protective suit as he's doing this, as he's spraying the gold stuff into into smaller ingots. And the, the cops come. The cops sort of, you know, bust up the lair. He forgets about about the special laser heating up everything. And <laughs> the gold explodes and covers Diabolic. But... So they think Diabolic's dead the second time. He's like film. stuck in gold, basically. <laughs> it's sort of like Han Solo, but but Diabolic yes, exactly. can wink. <laughs> he can look at the camera. He can look at the camera and wink and laugh in his Diabolic laugh. Yes. <laughs> but that's kind of how the movie ends. I'm sorry. Um, so, yeah, the, 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 the cops come in. The gold explodes, freezes Diabolic. And they're like, well, Eva's we, all upset. We got, yeah. Right. Well, Eva sneaks back in, right, to have one less. She's in black and in mourning and sneaks back in to have, like, one last look at Diabolic. And he turns and winks. <laughs> and I just winked at Jason in the same way <laughs> that Diabolic did. And my heart fluttered just, as well, just like Eva's <laughs> just, did. Just like Eva's did. Yeah. Dude, Eva is... Look, I was going to say sex on a stick, but I, mean, I don't know if that's... I, it, I mean, they... One, he has... Like, I don't know how you find sheets for his bed. Like he I, has like, like a, this, it's like a basically a gigantic seashell that it's rotates. It's like an island. Yes. <laughs> and so after the first heist, which is like 10 million lira or whatever, I don't even know what it is. It's, it's 10 something. It's millions uh, of something. Again, we're in an unnamed European right. country. They they escape. He has. Well, everyone speaks English. <laughs> right. Dubbed English. Though. Dubbed English. Well, some yeah, that's how all these Italian films went. <laughs> um, the ground opens up to his underground lair. He drives his car in. Um and again, it is like the Mall of America's underground in this unidentified European country. Diabolic and Eva make love on the on the on the paper money, which is funny to me because it was like it was like tens and fifties and twenties. It was like it was American money, <laughs> but it was like very much like Monopoly cash. Yeah, and they're making and like the dollars are. Are covering the naughty their naughty parts essentially because well, they're pretty stuck ch- there. <laughs> Gross, and uh, yeah, so that's how <laughs> that's how we first see them. <laughs> oh, I love how mature we are. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so then, so then they, then Diabolic and Eve attend a press conference, um, that basically opens up. So, it, 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 I guess. They're trying to. I don't, it's like this this whole part doesn't make a ton of sense. Like, say if they reinstitute the death this penalty, part, <laughs> right? The, the government reinstitutes the death penalty because that was some sort of like that. That's going to either keep they haven't been able to prosecute Diabolic well enough because they haven't been able to capture him. I don't know why. Like, you would have even captured him, you could have kept him behind bars. Anyway, the, now there's a death penalty, and Diabolic, and he that's that's when he he does he releases. Um, laughing gas, the, the exhilarating gas, right yeah. into the into the crowd, <laughs> and that pisses them off even more. Yeah, yeah. So they're all laughing at at the bureaucrats and at the cops, and <laughs> it's it's such a fucking bonkers movie. It man. is, so, and, yeah, and no, like it's so. it, no, it's so much fun. Oh though. yeah, it's, it's such a blast. It's so like lighthearted. It is like a, it I mean it, it's the same. It's not as trying to be as funny as Austin Powers is, but I mean, it, but it's definitely still tongue in cheek, and it's definitely still like a. 
almost a spoof on the double and, and kind of a twist on the 007, like this this master criminal. What's great about this is that some of the underwater shots are really, really mm-hmm. expertly done for a 67, 68 film. And then when they blow up the train, it is a very, very obvious that it's a kid's toy train that just blows up and falls into the water. There's one sequence where Valmont and Diabolic are on Valmont's plane, and in order to escape his plane, he opens the trap door and grabs Valmont <laughs> and jumps out the, into the trap door as they're falling together. <laughs> and and the plane explodes because he had stuck like a tiny bomb mm-hmm. on it at some point. <laughs> Which he explains to Valmont as they're like falling down. <laughs> like, I just I pretended to stumble and distracted your men so I could plant. <laughs> Thank you for that exposition <laughs> moment. <laughs> right. It's it's all so like stereotypical, but all so much fun. And it's just it's and so ridiculous that it's impossible to not like just have a great time with this. No, yeah. I don't know like I don't know how successful it was or why there were never any more. I know that I know that the art for it um was pretty prolific. I mean, I, I know that there's lots of posters and things like that are out there for it, mm-hmm. and, and like that's kind of how I knew about it. Well, you know, the comic ran for I think it might still be going, but it it ran for over 900 issues. Really? Yeah. So the comic is still. And it's, so that'd it be surprising popular. why there's not another. There are. Oh, there are. There right? are. There was a 2021 Diabolic made with no with um, Luca Marinelli, who played Nikki. In the old guard, and Martin Eden, in Martin Eden, really, he's super hot. Martin Eden, <laughs> right. right? Yeah, he was diabolic. No now, problem. this is nowhere to be found except in Italy. But there are two more planned, so there are three okay, diabolic then. films planned, and I'm like so excited to see this whenever <laughs> I'm able. I don't know when that'll be, but I mean, if Luca Marinelli has become, I think. Someone that we now know. Right. I mean, just from, like, those two films. So, hopefully, it'll make its way over here. But I, could, I couldn't find it anywhere. So, That's so, interesting. Yeah. 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 John Philip Law is great in this, by the way. It's just as diabolic. He's so, like, I don't know. Like, he's got such a great... Um, physique. Yeah, just a great physique to him. And I just, I fucking, I loved when he changed into the white diabolic uh, suit to like match up against the white, the white, mount, the white yes, rocks that he's climbing yes. up. I just, that was so awesome and so great. It's just like, <laughs> and there's certain scenes, obviously everything about this just screams 1960s, right? So like, like the green screen is so on point when they're doing the driving, but they do the thing where they frame his eyes in the, in the, in the rear view mirror. And it's just so well done because the, of the way that the mask is cut out. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, and it's, I mean, it's obviously a surprise. It's not chased per se. It's a, it's a pretty horny film, but mm-hmm. it, there's just, but it's also, you know, there's everything is pretty PG, PG thirteen. There's not a lot of like overt sex or violence. I mean, everything else is. I mean, I, I don't, I can't imagine. I don't even think there was any blood at all. I love the fact that when he got the diamond emeralds for Eva, that the, that the that. <laughs> Everything else had melted away. The, the 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 casings around and all the ornate uh, jewel jewelry work was melted away. So he just puts them on her naked. <laughs> well, you chest. remember you remember how he he put them in a gun and shot Valmont yes. with the emeralds, and then later on he faked his death in that scene. So later on, it's Valmont's body in the morgue. They think it's his, and after he's been incinerated, 
Diabolic goes and collects the ashes, and that's where the emeralds are. <laughs> Look, we laugh, but I love the inventiveness, right? However ridiculous, but I think part of a movie like this is really that suspension of disbelief and just going with it, right? Of mm-hmm. course, none of this makes sense, but that's part of the fun, right? I also love the alarm system in the in the Diabolic Cave, which is like pipe organ music. Right, <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah. And you see the pipes on the... <laughs> like, all seriousness, like, you know, Diabolic has, in addition to the Mall of the Americas, underground, underneath this country... He also has like a four-person submarine that mm-hmm. he's able to then. So he, in order to get the ingot, he <laughs> he blows up the train that it's on. It goes into the ocean, and then he goes in underground and gets all these like balloons to lift it up so that he can carry it off to his underground lair with his while dragging it behind his underwater ship. <laughs> Look, it sounds like a kids' movie, and it really kind of is. I mean, what? I mean, it, it really this, is a comic book movie. Yeah, right? this this feels like, you know, uh, Goldfinger and and all the early James Bond stuff as well. It just feels kind of silly and fun. Mm. And like I said, it, had it not been Italian, but and, and like there's, I don't know, there's it, it's weird because like, Bob is not a, a an unknown right. Italian filmmaker. When didn't. De Laurentiis produced? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's got a pretty decent, you know, some decent names behind it. It's, also. And I guess it's not necessarily, it's not hidden. It's not like it's hard to find necessarily, but it's just, it's weird that this wouldn't be one that would have kind of captured something in, you know, in uh, you know, whatever yeah. and, and been able to be kind of catapulted to, to more fame. And we talked about it more. You know who was supposed to play Eva? No. Catherine Deneuve. Oh, really? Well. But she kept fighting with law. Oh, really? So um, she was out. Oh, her loss. Also, also, Lieutenant Jinko is Michelle Piccoli. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So this is a guy who's worked with Qatar, who's worked with uh, um, Boonwell on Belle du Jour, who worked with Leo Carax later on. I mean, who did Dillinger is Dead. I mean, this guy, I mean, new wave icon, Mm -hmm. right? Fucking weird. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is really bizarre. Here, some more, some more tidbits for you. <laughs> um, the name, the name for Diabolic, at least the comic book, came from the murder of a Fiat worker in 1958. So this guy Mario Gil- Gilberti was found wrapped in a bloody sheet. There was no murder weapon, but there were several letters written in cryptic language, all signed Diabolic. Really? With an H at the end, and then they changed it. (laughs) So now the sisters never admitted that, but they never denied it either. So (laughs) that was the other thing with these with these Fermetti uh, Fermetti Neri's is that so many of the heroes or villains all had K's. That was like I mean all throughout these different these different types of comics they all had these K's. So diabolic with a K, and um, there was another one that they did not not the not the sisters but other people. So uh, it was called Satanic hmm. with a K. Satanic, probably. Right. right? <laughs> Dumbass <laughs> pronunciation. <laughs> so I like words. I, you know, <laughs> like this country now is in, is, is basically in financial ruin. Oh. Because they're going to have to. Oh, you're back so, to the story. Kind of, because <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> like now the gold has exploded all over Diabolic's cave. Yeah. So yeah. basically, Diabolic is stuck in his suit, encased in gold. 
just his face being visible, part of his face being visible. And his entire cavern is now essentially Mar-a-Lago. I mean, it's just, it's, tri- it's Trumpy it's, at this point. It's just covered in, like, but it's, it's, this, it's, and in this it's case, it's actual, in, it's actual it's real gold. something. <laughs> and this poor country who's no longer paying taxes and all of its, right. all of its gold standard is now underground in a, in a cavern. That's the new central bank. <laughs> <laughs> so go check out Danger Diabolic for sure. It is, it is I, I think, as you can tell, it's a lot of fun. Um, and I, I think you know the history behind it's really interesting too, and how that how that plays out. And we'll when as soon as we can watch the the new versions, we'll, we'll oh, definitely talk about them. Oh later for hell sure. yeah! Um, okay, do you want to stay in Europe? Do you want to stay? <laughs> I, with I didn't know how we Italian were... type films. I I mean I have a kind of idea, but yeah, no, no, no. Um, if you have an idea of how we're going to do this, then absolutely. Let's, well, go, then, let's go then, that route. Then let's stay. Let's stay in Europe, but let's let's hop over to Berlin. Victoria. Victoria. <laughs> uh, this is this is 2015. This is a Sebastian Schipper film. Yeah, so so good. Um, and and, it, oh, and had you seen it been, before? I had not. Okay. I, I I knew about it, but I had never seen it. It uh, was disqualified for um, the Oscars because it had too much English language in it. I think I that was so. a problem. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, we follow the night of these of this young Spanish woman who's in Berlin working. Uh, she's out at a club. She meets some young men, um, kind of fancies them, parties with them a little bit throughout the night. And um, it turns out that one of them owes money to a, a local gangster. They're going to do a heist. Um, she gets kind of roped into being their getaway driver. Things go south. Then she uh, ends up in this hotel with the guy that she's that she likes. And, and unfortunately, he's been shot in the stomach and 
he passes away and and she is t- takes the money and goes on this is all oh, this is all told over basically a three hour period and what's in, kind of famous about this movie is that it was all shot in one continuous take um and not was, not 1917 style right this was this was done they they did it I, I, what I'm really interested in is where they messed up on the first two. Yeah. And how they and where they got it on the third one. So, like how close they were. I know. So what I what I had read and what I had heard is that the first the first take was too dull, was too boring. Mm. And then the second take was too over the top. And so apparently Shipper pulled every, the director pulled everyone aside and just gave him like the hair dryer treatment. I mean, just let him fucking have it. <laughs> and the third Right, the third take was Goldilocks. Right, it was it was just right. Um, but they had <clears throat> they had a plan B, so they made like an actual cut version of this okay. film. And Shipper's quoted as saying, "It was not good." <laughs> so, um, so I mean, yeah, it'd be interesting to go back and and and, and see the differences. But it's, I mean. As you know, the, the, obviously the filmmaking style leads to this kind of frenetic. It, it really kind of it lulls you to sleep at first, to the to the point where you're just you just think you're watching. And one, it's not overly apparent that's actually what they're doing because the camera moves so well, because the act, the performances are so good and so natural, and also the places that they film. Like it's not like I mean so one you're in a, you're not always in a big expanse you get into cars you get into elevators you get into stairwells you get into clubs with them you're moving this is not Scorsese's taking you to the Copa right. this is you know you feel like you're a fly on the wall in these on these people's lives and so it evolves just like any other crazy ass night would in this case I mean you you're I mean like. The the girl is kind of naive at the beginning, and the guys are kind of annoying, and you're like, and you're kind of figuring out like where this is going to go, and it's a little bit, um, you know, they're being playful, but you can also kind of see some tension and like mm-hmm. and machismo on their end, and you're kind of a little afraid this is going to turn into Gaspar Noe territory mm-hmm. real fast. <laughs> well, no, this is like the first third of the film is like a meet cute, right? I mean, she she's out at this club, and this is what I love, and this is. I don't think I really noticed this until probably the second or third watching, but, you know, we open on this kind of uh, dolly-in shot on on Victoria dancing in this club, having a great time, and she goes to the bar to get a drink, and you immediately tell that she's foreign and that she's kind of lonely because she talks to the bartender, and she's like, do you have schnapps or whatever? And they're having trouble communicating. And then she says, like, do you want to take a drink with me? And he just ignores her. And you see this kind of, like, loneliness there. So when these four guys, one in particular, is very flirtatious, but but very friendly and seemingly, you know, harmless, uh, okay, I'll hang out. Yeah, let's go. Right. And, and then, yeah, it, it's kind of like this, like, meet-cute sort of like, oh, we're just going to have a, you know, party hangout movie. And then, you know, the second act turns into something else. But it's so, I think this first third is, like, so whimsical and just kind of so charming. And there are scenes where... All we get is, like, background music. The camera follows them. The camera watches them on the roof, sort of dancing, smoking, hanging out. But we don't hear anything. We just sort of see stuff right. going on. And it's just really, yeah. I mean, it kind of gives you this, like, false sense of 
safety. Like, oh, okay, just kind of one crazy night film. Right, because of all of the beats where you expect <clears throat> it to take a turn, it doesn't, right? And Until it does. But by that time, you're already invested in the story and understand why they would stick together. But yeah, it, yep. for yep. as sparsely as apparently it was scripted, mm. the fact that it... 12 pages. Right, the fact that it, it is able to navigate a two-hour and 18-minute movie... Um, and still hit all the beats and be believable. Like you said, like the, I mean, and I'm sure that part of the script was, hey, you're lonely and you're desperate and you're, and you're looking for, you know, uh, connection, connection and, and, and companionship, et cetera. But I would love to see, I, I just, I would love to see him behind the scenes making of how this all played out because it just, like, it really is. And so often these types of movies, you have to, like, I have to pull myself back and say, is the filmmaking the reason why, is the story behind the story why I'm liking this movie? I don't think this falls into that category. This is still a good movie regardless of the, and I don't think it's really a gimmick. I think the, because like, and again, I don't know, however you feel about Boyhood, that Mm -hmm. movie to me is kind of pedestrian. It's just Impressive in how it got made. Mm-hmm. It's 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 good. I'm not going to say it's, but but the story, like if if you if it was just a story that was presented on its face value and not filmed over 20 years or 18 years, I don't think we wouldn't we wouldn't have been paying attention to it as much as we would as we did. And this seems purposeful in order to get that kind of frenetic, but also. Just I don't know that that throughput line of just uh, this is one crazy night and you and you it drives down this kind of breathlessness that the entire film has, um, and really kind of just draws you in and makes you feel like you're a part of of what's going on in the movie. Yeah, I mean there's there's a version of this film that isn't Shipper's Plan B that isn't very good. There's a version of this film that is written and directed and edited in a way that is normal quote unquote and I love that film too <laughs> do you know I mean because right, because right. the story works and I think I, I and I'm speculating right but I think that Shipper was probably like I want to make a genre film but I want to do something different oh let's try this and that I think works and I think there are I love the decisions that he makes of where the camera goes and where it doesn't go we don't see the bank heist right. we're in the car with Victoria this is a stolen car that's been hot-wired, and it stalls. And so there, I mean, there's the tension. The tension isn't in the bank heist. The tension is, oh, shit, the car just stalled, and here come the guys <laughs> right back to the car. So, I mean, stuff like that is brilliant, which wouldn't work, I don't think. If it were, you know, shot and edited differently, we'd expect to go into the bank. Right. And I think this is where a film like this kind of, you know, zigs where it's supposed to zag. And it never, like... <clears throat> What's going on with this day? It gets the weather's outside. No, the it, weather it, sucks. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it never, like in 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 a normal f- film where your where your attention is directed, like it it still feels like that is happening in Victoria. Mm-hmm. There's certain sequences, like when the guys are dancing out on the street, and they, those aren't guys hitting their marks. Those aren't guys. <laughs> I mean, those are guys just fucking around, and like and and you and the. He is so confident and so and just this is so well done that he knows where to go and to have that camera follow this person rather than somebody else on the offensive scene. And that scene where brothers are going to the heist and he's having the panic attack. I forget the character's name, but he's having the panic attack. And that they, was Blinker. Right. <clears throat> and so as they stop the car and you fall and, and like again, like going back and watching this a second time, like and following the camera moves and following you out of the car, like it's 
it's impressive how mm -hmm. they did this. The scene after they get the heist done and they go back to the club and they're all dancing and celebrating and the guys are taking their shirts off. And, and naked. And, right, yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's that part was really just really coolly shot as well. Um, it, it obviously... It limits it a little bit. I mean, you know, when in the shootout scene and the cop scene, there's clear limitations of what you can show and what you can't. But again, by that time, you're so focused on sticking with, um, you know, Victoria that it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really take away from it. I, I think if you went in and not didn't, I don't think if you would necessarily know. Like if you didn't know the the conceit behind it, I don't. You can't pick it out while you're watching this movie. And I think that speaks volumes to that piece of it. That it's not just a, it, it really just not just a gimmick. It is something that added to the story here, and then again, like by the time that you get to the hotel, and Victoria is washing her face and going in and 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 negotiating the room, and then when they're up in the room and and he falls off the bed and and she's like having kind of a panic attack and trying to figure out what to do, it's just all that was just so so well done. This was, I mean. Out of all of them, this was the best film that we talked that we reviewed that we watched. You know? Oh, interesting! I think so. Okay, okay, yeah. All I right, mean, uh, okay. I'm, I'm, we <laughs> well, no, 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 no. Because I, I look, I, I, I adore this film, and I, I agree. I think it's more than just an exercise. I think the exercise adds to it, and I think it fits the story, and I think it um, enhances the story, and it makes the story it, it lends more tension. Lends more, um, you know, freneticism to to the story, and I, and I love that. And then you and those moments where you see Blinker have a panic attack, Victoria break down like in the bathroom. Those then like hit harder, right? They mean a little bit more because mm -hmm. we've never been able to stop and catch a breath, right? There really is no sort of pee break moment in this in this film. You right. can't sort of get up and like <laughs> step away because everything just keeps going and going and going. Um, no, I, I I really like this film. There's maybe one more on our list that, that I like as much, if not maybe a bit more, and it's not Fast Five. <laughs> so <clears throat> um, I remember in 2015 hearing about this film and having to wait before it came, even to, like, to the States, I think, to see. And then when I saw it, I was so excited, and I was like, this is so worth it. Because <laughs> I, I do. I, I really like this film. And um, it, it's, it's weird because it's, it's a heist movie, but... Not really. I yeah, mean, not really. I mean, you don't because you don't see it. You don't really. I mean, it is a bank <clears throat> robbery film. These guys are going to. They're going to rob like fifty grand, and and the and the mafioso guy wants ten. Basically, he and he gave um, the character boxer. Boxer was in jail. This guy provided protection for boxer. He's like, look, you owe me, right? You owe me. Did you enjoy the cigarettes, the protection in jail? You owe me ten grand. Here's what I want you to do. Here's a specific person. They've got fifty. Go rob them. The 40s for you, 10s for me. So, look, this gangster has honor. He's like, I only want what I'm owed, right? The rest is, is yours for doing the job. <laughs> so it makes sense. Um, and Boxer's played by Franz Rogowski, who I, like, another guy I love. Are you a Christian pencil mm -hmm. fan? Oh, you're not, wait, you're I not mean, a fan or you uh, don't no, know I'm Christian? Not, I'm not, yeah, I'm not I'm familiar. Okay. Um, uh, Rogowski was in Transit. And Undina. So Petzold's last two, he's got another one coming out soon. Um, Christian Petzold, I think, is brilliant. The great Nina Haas is one of his muses. Okay. So, um, But he's in a lot of those films. I, I like Rogowski a lot. He's in some Anglo-Shenelec films as well. So 
Yeah, and he's kind of menacing in this, where he's yeah. not always menacing. He's usually kind of, like, softer. And um, This had to have been fucking exhausting to make. <laughs> they only had enough money to do three takes, right? We, yeah. We talked about that. Yeah. If the third one didn't work, they were fucked. <laughs> and, the, and we said this, the script was 12 pages, and so much of it was then improvised after that. And that's the like, thing, mm. too, is that, and I wonder how much setup they did just of the actors getting to know each other prior to actually shooting. Because part of that has to be developing some sort of natural rapport and communication style yeah. with one another. Because again, like... Well, it's like a dance. It, it really is, because you've got to know how, you know, when to shut up, right? It's And when and when to talk and, and when to let the, the pauses be. And so all of that, and not being able to... And of course, I mean, Sebastian can give direction. I mean that's that's still a thing, but still you're not you're not feeding them lines. It's you know you've got to let them go to a certain extent, and so to that end, it really I mean it 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 to for them to be able to maintain that, and of course it's really Victoria and what's the other character's name? The 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 Sona Sona, right? And so it's Victoria and Sona, those two throughout the main the majority of it all. But even having people come in and come back out, and it's just it's just so. Um, I mean, it's just, it's so impressive that it was able to be done that way. And then again, but then to add to the story and not just be, okay, well, that's what we saw because somebody just right, filmed something for right, two and a half right, hours or right. what, what happened, you know. Have you seen the film Too Late with John Hawks? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a Dennis Houck film. It reminds me of this because it was a, it's, it's a fun movie. Look, I think most things where John Hawks plays like <laughs> a kind of lost private eye, right? A, sure, a spiritually right. lost private eye. I'm, I'm in for that, right? And Robert Forrester plays kind of a bad guy. I am definitely in for this film. But this film was very much like a genre exercise where I think there are five or six scenes. Each scene is 22 minutes long, shot in one continuous take with no editing, like period, because that's the length of time in a 35-millimeter cinemascope format, I think, is what he shot it in. So that's, 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 the, length of, that's the length of a reel, and so that's what they did. Right, it was this twenty-two minute thing, and then you went to another scene, and 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 it was cool as an exercise. It's not a great film, but it's it's cool to watch as an exercise. But the rest of it, I'm just like, eh, okay, <laughs> like that. But that's the opposite, I think, of this. It's like right? Manos Hands of Fate. Manos Hands of Fate was a film like that because, oh, okay. but it was only in like two minute segments because that's yeah, all they could. That's do all they could do. <laughs> that, yeah, and Manos Hands of Fate's um, a shit movie. <laughs> I think I think Too Late is worth checking out. Okay, um, one for I like Hawks. John Hawks. Yeah, yeah, that's Hawks, and for um, Forrester, there's a cameo by Sally J. If you're a Sally J. fan, she's a musician. Um, Jason's like, I know who Sally J. is. <laughs> he he doesn't, folks. <laughs> um, Dyson Lockman is in it, yeah. right? Um, so it's 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 an interesting exercise, but it's. It's not what we're talking about here, and I think those are the, the sort of two opposite ends of that. So, Victoria's fucking brilliant. It really is. It's really, really <laughs> it's good. I mean, so like, good. I said, like I said, for me, my money, this is the best movie, like, best film we've watched out of the six. To, and I liked all of them, but but this is the best film I think we watched in this, uh, hmm. this series. Okay. I'm, 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 I'm interested to hear no, what you I was going to say, I'm interested, I'm interested to hear, like, then your take on that. Well, Okay. Let's go from Berlin, and let's go to the Berlin of the United States, which is Cleveland. How much money did you wake up with in your pocket this morning? 55 cents. (laughs) If you're going to lead a life of crime, 
You better know what you're doing. Do you know Leon? Are you fellas know Riley? You guys know Perro? Did we know a safe cracker? This is the story of a heist. 300 G's sitting in the safe. <laughs> the plan was simple. I teach the circular saw method. He says it could be his Bellini. Malinsky. Bellini. 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 Malinsky. I think I'm gonna be sick. For 500 bucks, I show you how to do it. What could possibly go wrong? William H. Macy. Baby coming through. Baby freaking coming through. Michael Jeter. Sam Rockwell. I'm so pretty! Patricia Clarkson. Oh. Isaiah Washington. Jennifer Esposito. So you're going to ask me out or what? We're, 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 uh, Luis Guzman. And George Clooney. Why are you dressed like a priest? You're an idiot. In a story about a beautiful crime. Got a match? beautiful place. Welcome to Collinwood. This Bellini is starting to look like a real Kapuchnik. Hey, 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 hey. And, and, and Jason, will you welcome us to Collinwood? I, I will. Uh, welcome to Collinwood. Uh, <laughs> Anthony and Joe Russo joint. I guess their first joint. They had done Arrested Development. This is 2002, I think, because Oh Brother Where Art Thou was 2000. Which is, I, and the reason I mentioned that is that because I was thinking, well, why didn't Clooney just why didn't he just star in this? Like, because right, Soderbergh produced, and I know Oh Brother Where Art Thou is a Coen Brothers film. Soderbergh, 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 <laughs> Soderbergh and Clooney produced this Russo film, Russo Brothers film, which is almost a point for well, it is. It is a hundred percent remake of Big Deal on Madonna Street, okay. um, which is uh, about a band of lovable losers who. Um, Come across a Bellini, which is a job that is it's the, it's the, it's the job of all jobs, right? It's the it's the easy take. It's the job that'll get you over the top and get you get you a better life. Um, they come across a Bellini, and uh, then this group of of men come together and um, try to try to accomplish it. So we start off with uh, Luis Guzman, uh, Casimio, uh, Casimo, who is stealing a car, um, or and, trying to or trying to steal a car. <laughs> he gets caught. And he goes to prison. While he's in prison, a lifer there tells him about a job that is his big Bellini. And the, the, again, the Bellini is the job to end all jobs. And this, and essentially, what it is is he's going to break into this pawn shop of him across this and and uh, drill into this safe and steal all this money. I think it's like three hundred thousand dollars. And um, in order to do that, there is an abandoned apartment next door. This is very small-time crooks. There's a lot of movies that, that took and riffed off a big deal on Madonna Street and Rafifi. So, I mean, this is not a, this is well-worn territory yeah, we're getting into yeah. here. But Rafifi's brilliant. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, his, his big deal on Madonna Street is, is a lot of fun, too. Um, I mean, Rafifi is the grandfather, I, right? Right, it's, right, So it's... Right. Um, so Guzman's in prison. Now he needs to get out of prison. He hasn't he hasn't gone to trial yet. He's basically facing trial for car. So he so he needs uh, a person, a, a stooge that will fall for him. What's the name they use? Malinsky. Malinsky. I need a Malinsky. Malinsky. Get a Malinsky. <laughs> so Patricia. He so he, he he gets Patricia Clarkson, who's his girlfriend. He's got 
five grand, I think. Is it or is it ten grand? No, it's fifteen. Okay, it's fifteen right? grand. He's got yeah. fifteen grand that he's been holding back from Patricia Clarkson, and he's going to give that fifteen grand to his Malinsky. He's got to find somebody in the neighborhood in Collinwood, and Collinwood's just full of lovable losers at this point. <laughs> it is. It is the Beirut of Cleveland, <laughs> right? <laughs> So they go from person to person. One guy won't do it because um, he doesn't want to tell you. He doesn't want to break his mother's heart. Yeah. Uh, one guy won't do it because he is trying. He's going to go. He's saving up money to for to for his his sister's wedding. So they turn to Sam Rockwell, who's this boxer, and he's clean. He doesn't have a he doesn't have a um, a record. So he says he'll do it. At the trial, Rockwell comes into Guzman's trial and is like, oh, I can't. Lo and behold, I can't. I can't live with myself anymore. It's a really funny scene. I can't live with myself anymore and the guilt. This man's innocent. All you know, And I'm the one who try, was trying to steal that car. I ran away. He was just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. So the judge sentences them both to jail. The Malinsky gets... gets so they both get sentenced to jail. Guzman gets, gets six months and Rockwell gets three years and they're talking in um, and so they're in the prison yard Guzman's like I want my money back um, you weren't supposed to end up in jail it's like hey man I, you know, I got the money for being in jail it's like and then Guzman reveals the plan reveals the Bellini to him and Rockwell turns to him and says see you later my sentence has been commuted um, thanks, <laughs> thanks for the sentence yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so thanks for the job yeah. So then Rockwell goes back, and, and all of the people that he's told, basically they all want to get the money, they get the $15,000 back from him now that he's no longer in prison, and Guzman still, or uh, Cosimo still is. Um, but he says, hey, well, I'll cut you in. And then the rest of this is just a kind of comedy of errors. Mm-hmm. People move into the apartment, so he, Rockwell has to woo the, the maid of the people who move into the apartment. Um, Played by the one and only Jennifer Esposito. <laughs> yes, yes. Which, how is she, I always wondered like how she's not a bigger star. Like she's gorgeous. She's a good actress. Like she, I, I mean, she's a good actress. I don't say she's a great actress, but she was in some really, really good, good stuff around this time. And like she just seems like she's been relegated to like TV procedural dramas at this yeah, point. Yeah, like I don't know, NYPD Blue or something. I mean, no, well, not not that. That was a good it, show. But, but, but <laughs> like Blue Bloods or something. Right. Or yeah, whatever. Something. One of those like cop shows. Right. On it's bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> Is she I, on the one with Donnie Wahlberg? Or is that a, yeah, I, could, I, don't I don't know. know. FBI or... Ah, or fuck, man. I yeah, know. whatever. I, I, yeah, <clears throat> Chicago Love. Whatever or. Dick Wolf show it is now. <laughs> but I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, how was she not... How, why was she not in other things? She was so thing? good in Summer of Sam. Did you see Summer of mm-hmm, Sam? Like, mm-hmm. that was a great role for her. I just... I It, it just seemed like... She was poised to break out, and for whatever reasons, you know, and whatever stroke of luck or bad luck, just yeah. it never. And I'm it's sure like, did somebody course correct her? Did somebody take that? Play like, in? hey, yeah, I don't know. I really don't know because like it seemed like right around this time frame, she because Summer of Sam would have been ninety nine. That would this would have been in like, I don't know. It's just it's really bizarre that she was in everything. It seemed seeming at one time, and then just kind of like yeah, she's yeah. now she's like. You know, it, Detective Wallowitz on right on Wallowitz Blue. Vice, right? I look. Okay. I mean, she's, okay, anyway, she's she's fun in this. I mean, she's yeah, yeah. she is. Um, she has lots of boyfriends in this one too. Right. She has lots of boyfriends in this. Yes, yeah, she's got three fiancés. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, so obviously the heist goes wrong, um, and they end up getting a thousand dollars out of a cookie jar, and the house that they act in the, in the abandoned apartment. Not just no longer abandoned, but the apartment that they were in. And they end up giving that to William H. Macy's character, 
who needed, needs that money to get his wife out of prison because she's in prison for fraud and he's got a young baby. Yeah. That's the one thing about this movie that Big Deal on Madonna Street doesn't do. Is Big Deal on Madonna Street, they continually stay losers. I mean, like some of them go ahead and get jobs because they fall in love. Um, all of the beats are still the same, but that $1,000 thing was an add-on to mm. this movie where it, it really these are all good guys that are just looking for their big break. Before Rockwell takes the job, he's this boxer with a ridiculous glass chin who <laughs> thinks he's and he, in, in great Rockwell form. Um, when my boxing career takes off. <laughs> right, right. I'm not going to need that. I'm not going to need prison. I'm going to need this. <laughs> um, and so... Yeah, it, 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 look, it's a fun movie. I mean, you've got uh, you got William H Macy, you got Sam Rockwell, you got Luis Guzman, um, <laughs> Guzman, Isaiah Washington. Yeah, Isaiah Washington is really good. Uh, you've got Michael Jeter, um, Patricia Clarkson. You got Clooney in a great cameo. Gabrielle Union as the mm-hmm, sister mm-hmm. of Isaiah Washington. Um, and so, yeah, it's a it's a really great cast. It's funny. It's real light and fluffy and airy. I mean, Clooney is almost. Like, he's so ridiculous in it. I mean, that's what's fun about this movie. And again, it, all of it, if you've seen Big Deal on Madonna Street, you're not going to like Collinwood because the the beats are so similar, right? It's It, it really is I, I'm a, the identical movie slash about 20 minutes off of its plot. But, but, I mean, there's just scenes in it that are so much fun where, like, Clooney, I mean, they're, they're when they see the safe in, in the... Um, they, they go to top of this roof and they're looking at the safe across uh, an alleyway so they can kind of film the person opening it. But at the last minute, <laughs> someone keeps going in. Uh, moving in front of the... <laughs> right, moving in front of the, of the safe. <laughs> so they hire Clooney, who's an expert safe cracker, and he charges... But he, he's in a wheelchair, so he doesn't go and do his own jobs anymore, and he charges them $500. He teaches. He teaches them. He teaches. <laughs> and, the, and, the, and the way that he teaches them how to get into the safe is to basically saw into so, it. Drill into it's it. A circular yeah. saw into yeah. it. Yeah. And, and he, it's it's his method, right? I mean, he, doesn't he call it like <laughs> yes. his method? Yeah. We're going to use the... I forget his name, but we're going to use this method. and Because the other method that's common <laughs> is to blow it up. But, right. the, but the guy that that's named after <laughs> died <laughs> killed himself. So that, so that, so that method's no, out. out. That method's out right away. I've, I, I vetoed that method. <laughs> so there's a lot of funny moments in this. This movie was made for about, I think, 8 to 12 million and only grossed like four. It was a flop. And, like, I don't think it did well, like, as far as, like, I mean, obviously it didn't do well financially. I mean, it's kind of mediocre and middling as far as reviews go. It's hard not to like this movie. I mean, in, in a sense of, like, it's it's very easy to forget it. I'm, but it's also, mm-hmm. like, I wouldn't see anybody going into this and thinking, oh, that was complete bullshit. I can't believe I watched that. I do think that had Clooney not had made Oh Brother Where Art Thou, that the Sam Rockwell character, the lead character, is oh, really sure. is really clearly a starring role for him. It's the exact same role that he plays in O Brother, essentially. Mm-hmm. And had he not done that, I think you had a bigger star power um, than Rockwell, which I like Rockwell. I mean, I love Rockwell. But I just, I don't, I think that, you know, he is not a guy who's bringing in, you know, audiences. And had this been a George Clooney starring vehicle and him kind of being that bumbling guy. Or if you'd brought in a bigger star, I think that would have helped this. Obviously, I think the cast is game. They're all good. I love Jeter in this. He's so much oh, fun. Yeah. Um, and, But yeah, I think just having it be this kind of what seemed to be a, an indie flick that was made for just too much money. And you know, and, and it looks good. I mean, it's a, it's a good-looking movie. Um, it's quick. It's 
uh, well shot. They do a good job with the comedy. They do a good job of making sure everybody has their moment to shine in the cast. Um, it's not oh, it's not played overly for laughs. It's not too slapsticky. But again, there's not enough to differentiate it between Big Deal on Madonna Street and this. Of course, aside from you know, 50 years or whatever. Right, but, <laughs> right, right, right. And no one going back and visiting Italian films. But, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> you you love your Italian films. You, you, I mean, I was, I was going to notice, I was going to bring that up with like you and the Giallo stuff and like the Diabolic and Grand Slam and um, yeah, the, uh, all of all of the like Italian produced dub stuff. You, you just, I don't know why. I just, no, I, 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 I like, I like, I love the, I usually like the score. Usually it's Ennio that's doing the score. I used, and, and the, I, I don't know, that whole, especially for that period of time when they were able to get away with things that, that the states weren't getting away with. It was such a different style of filmmaking. It's, yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah I dig it. Yeah, no, I mean, there was no no shade there. <laughs> just just a comment. I mean, so, maybe a little bit of shade here. But, <laughs> but like, I just want to make one more comment about, about Collinwood. That I, I mean, I don't know. I only watched this once. I don't know if it would hold up a second. I feel like I might turn it off if really? I tried to watch it a second time. I I like the light touch. I wonder if it's too light sometimes, if there's not enough kind of like really at stake here. Or I mean I mean, with these kind of films that have that real sort of comedic undertone, you know that nothing really terrible is gonna happen to any of these guys. And even like Cosimo's death is played for laughs. I mean, really. Right. I mean, so right, right. Yeah, he's he's hit by a bus. Yeah, uh, and it's just like ridiculous while he's trying to steal a <laughs> purse. Right? <laughs> right. So it's kind of. I also feel like there are just way too many moving parts, and nothing really gets developed. So I mean, I think, and this would be the problem if it were any heavier. I would want more investment or more understanding of these different characters that I'm never going to get because there's just too many of them, and they're all up in the air at the same time. I don't really know why the cop is there. Right. I mean, I understand because, well, Rockwell has to, has to bribe this guy. There has to be some kind of threat. But he's not really a threat ever. So Yeah, it has, I mean, to, it has to be a way for him to get rid of the 15,000, right? Right, and which so is that, just like a plot device at that point. <laughs> right, right. It does feel like this could have been a stage play. And like if you had removed... Like, you don't really need the Gabrielle Union, Isaiah Washington characters. They, they don't right. really add. Like, so the heist itself is so simplistic. It really is just, yeah. I'm going to break a hole in a wall, and then I'm going to drill into a safe, and I need an amount of time to do it. And there's all these contrivances of, like, well, we can't go in the front door because we don't want to give away our alibi, and we are still kind of in love with the, with the maid. Mm-hmm. And so we have to then go over this alleyway via a ladder and then Jeter's afraid of heights and his pants are falling. He's this bum. His pants are falling down. And they down. slide into like a garbage chute full of water first. And Yeah, it's it's almost like like all of that made sense in the in Big Deal on Madonna Street because in the Big Deal on Madonna Street they're going through a coal window mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. obviously in you know 1960s Italy, you've still got that. So you're going in through a coal window that they go in. They're not sliding on a garbage chute. They just go in and they're underground in this house that, that it has a sewage problem, essentially, because it's an abandoned apartment, sure. right? Yeah. And so a lot of that makes more sense. The ending of <laughs> the ending of Big Deal, I'm sure you've seen it. I'm, I'm yeah. trying to tell you. But the, no, the, ending, okay. the yeah. ending of Big Deal on Madonna Street. <laughs> um, Jason explain it. When the, <laughs> <laughs> when the Rockwell character and the Jeter character um, have been blown up, essentially. They get mm-hmm. caught up and they're trying to hide from the cops. 
and they get caught up in this workers. All these workers are standing outside this this you know shipyard or whatever, and they're like. What are we? What are we in line for? And they're like, Oh no, they're handing out jobs. And they're like, Oh shit, we gotta get out of here. And they get, and they get brought in. And then Jeter's like, You can't stay. They're wanting you to work. That is, a, and that's what kind of puts that movie over the top as far as like, that's not look the good heartedness of what happens in Collinwood is fine, and it's just, it's nice to know that you know all these guys are still good guys at heart. But and in Big Deal, you're you're just you just know that these guys are chosen losers right mm-hmm. and they're ridiculed when they decide to get a real job at a movie theater just so they can be get an honest job for you know um yeah. the, you know the sister that they want to marry well, so and, and and that i mean that's sort of a running joke through collinwood too is that nobody wants to get a real job and then when the one guy finally i forget the character's name um who's who ends up having the affair with Gabby Union with Isaiah's Washington's sister. And he's like, uh, I can't do this. Basil. Yeah, Basil. So he gets he gets a job, and they're all like, "What? You did? Well, you know, I want to like be with like her, and so but, but right because yeah, she's engaged like, to somebody who's rich, and he's like, does that mean anything to you? And she's like, yeah, kind of. I mean, like, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it it I mean, so for all of my kind of like, I don't know if this will hold up a second. It is a fun. Um, yeah, a fun, breezy, lighthearted. Yeah, I, I don't. Movie. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go revisit it, or I'm not gonna go out and well, you know, and and to come back to it over and over yeah, again. If it's yeah. on, I'll I may pop in, but I don't. Just because I think Rockwell is so charismatic. No, and, there and, there are some really, like really great like moments. But I am also not a big Russo Brothers fan. Yeah, I think that I hated you, mean Dupree. Hated you, mean Dupree. Did you see Cherry? No, okay, I didn't. Fuck that movie. Yeah, Sorry, and I didn't see Gray Man either. Oh so. God. Well, at least that. <laughs> so Cherry was just. Over stylized and, and had no substance. Look, I think it's based on a book of this, by the same name, and I'm not a fan of the book either. That's a different podcast. <laughs> but, um, they, you know, they, they did know there's not a lot of substance in the book either, but um, it just it was not good. They thought they were making like this kind of like piece of high art, and it, it wasn't. I think, I think um, Winter Soldier is the only good movie that they made. And because that is Parallax View. It mm-hmm. is right. Three Days of the Condor. It is that sort of 70s paranoia uh, cinema. And there's something to be said for being able to manage a $200 million budget. I, I think, and, and so I, I understand why they're getting sure. those types of films. Um, it will be interesting to see what they do and, and like their longevity post this Marvel um you know, stint that they did, which was wildly successful. So they'll probably be able to do whatever the hell they yeah. want to do. Um, but th- whether or not, like, I don't know if you can consider, and I, I know Cherry wasn't, but I don't know if you can consider Gray Man being a Netflix film. What do you consider success in that case? People didn't lose their Netflix subscriptions when they watched it. I mean, like, who gives a shit? Yeah, yeah. But I think, yeah, anyway. Okay. Let's, let's start. Let's stop talking about the Russo's. <laughs> um, do you want to. Hit it out of the park in Rio? <laughs> I don't know, man. What I mean is, do you want to talk about Grand Slam? Rio de Janeiro. Carnival time. Three carefree, colorful days and nights of parades, fun-making, and dancing in the streets. Hundreds of thousands of people flock to Rio for carnival time, most of them to enjoy themselves. On this particular occasion, however, Four men take advantage of the festivities to carry out one of the most sensational robberies of the century. 
Grand Slam. The job was planned in New York. Every move worked out in minute detail. Men with nerves of steel, each an expert in his own field, are brought together to create a team that will stop at nothing to crack the most carefully guarded vault in the world. At stake, diamonds worth millions of dollars. With nothing left to chance, there was only one thing that could not be allowed for, the reaction of a girl who held the key to success and who stood to lose everything, even her life, if the diamonds were stolen. With a fortune at stake, nothing was spared to ensure success. Slam. So, Grand Slam <laughs> is all Edward G. Robinson, by the way. Edward G. Robinson. And Janet Lee. Doing some great green screen work. He never <laughs> set foot. I don't think he ever the said first. The first scene. Like, I loved it so much. I was like laughing my because like cats all into it because it's got that Italian. It's got a, it's, a, it's an Ennio Morricone score yeah. as well. Yeah. So it's got that la 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 la. It's a, it's a crazy ass score and she's like and like she's like in and it's part of it's in Rome so she's digging the shit right, out of it. Right. And like um, <laughs> and and I was just I was just dying because. He's waving goodbye to a to a group of Catholic kids that clearly are not anywhere near him. <laughs> he's never in frame with them. <laughs> like even when he's in, no. New, I guess I he's back it. in Rome or New York or wherever he goes to like to join the team. He's still not even there. Like when he goes and looks at the uh, the lighters. That's in New York. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. <laughs> yeah, right because it was in he Times goes back Square to, basically. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Back when Times Square was so gritty, and you could, you could, <laughs> and you could buy and you could buy lighters on the streets. <laughs> <laughs> Four of them. <laughs> so Edward G. Robinson is this professor who has worked in uh, Rio for seventeen years. He's now he's retired, and upon his retirement, he has worked across the street from this this diamond merchant his entire career, and sitting there, and he's watched. Uh, the the repeated patterns of of diamonds coming and going from from this location, and <laughs> he yeah. decides he decides hey I'm gonna for for whatever reason I don't necessarily know what he was teaching but he's gonna decide that he's gonna put together a crack team to go steal these diamonds for him. Look, he's got to be an English teacher. Yeah, of I'm telling you, right? I mean, look, only only like an English or a literature professor would sit there and think about like. Like how much stuff, do you think right? he got paid for this movie? Because it seems like this was like I need a big name to headline this film, but I've got him for about two weeks. <laughs> Maybe Robinson was just like his character, just bored, right? It's just crazy because, some cash. because he's at the beginning and he's there to put the team together, <laughs> and then then he's, he's there at gone. the end, and then that is it. Like the, <laughs> most of this movie is not an Edward D. Robinson <laughs> nope. film. Nope. <laughs> so he goes to New York. To, and he goes and meets with this guy who has a wall full of criminal <laughs> well, like well, cards. First, his name is Mark. Okay. They grew up together. <laughs> okay. Right? And then they they our our guy Robinson, whose character's name is Professor Anders, <laughs> he's the only childhood friend that Mark, our criminal mastermind, remembers or still thinks of and thinks of fondly. <laughs> Right. So, right. He's the only guy so, like from all of my childhood. He's the only guy and, that I actually like. And you know who it is? 
It's Adolfo Celli. Yes, yes, From yes. Danger Diabolic. Yes. <laughs> <Right. laughs> I'm coming full circle. I was, I, I was like, oh, Jason's a genius. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy son of a bitch. <laughs> so he ha- Mark has this wall... And it really is like a a, a bizarre uh, card catalog like, yeah, card of, of of criminals, and every, you know Professor Anders doesn't want someone who is you know doesn't want someone who's going to be recognized by the police. He tries to get four guys that are kind of nondescript to pull off this um, in this heist, and he needs someone who's kind of a heavy. He needs someone who can it can maneuver them around, like you know take them from place to place. He needs someone to actually crack the safe. Who that guy's awesome, and oh, then and then he needs a guy to woo Janet Lee, um, who, who that guy's also awesome. Right. Like he needs a guy. So Janet Lee is the secretary, and kind of a uh, um, high, you know, she's uh, like the, the in executive secretary. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. She's, she yes. has the only key right. to get into the office, right, or to get into the yeah. That, and so, that part. so she works in the diamond, and she works for the diamond dealers. And they need someone to woo her to steal the key so they can get into the front door. It's a very special key. (laughs) It really is. (laughs) And so (laughs) this guy, Mark, just pulls out a a, a drawer. Four guys, boom, right there. Here you are. Gotcha. And then uh, Edward Dean Robinson goes to a couple of them to kind of explain the job. Um, They're all doing other things at the time. but they all decide to sign on, and they all end up going to. And so this has to be done. This heist has to be done at, during Carnival because at that point all of Rio will be shut down, and and so they'll have more time to get the diamonds out of the safe, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so they all. And now, so once that's done, my, so my the favorite part of this is when he goes to meet. Uh, <laughs> when he goes to meet the person who is the wooer, is the person who's going to woo the woman. Oh, he's already like in kind of a, 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 a scam with another woman. And he's like, and Edward G. Robinson goes Jean up. Jean-Paul. Yes, Jean-Paul, thank you. Jean-Paul. So Edward G. Robinson goes up to him and is like, hey, I need you to woo this woman. And he's like, well, that's what I'm known for in almost three continents. I was like, that's two fucking continents, dude. That's just two. If you're almost <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I, I nearly fell out. I was laughing so hard. I'm like, that's what I'm known for. I'm going to use that line from here on out. That's what I'm known for, for in almost three continents. Almost. <laughs> or two. Or you can or just you say know, like two continents. <laughs> I'm known for wooing women in almost, almost three continents. But yeah. So And I wonder like what is the third one that he's almost like like right, Antarctica? <laughs> like, well, you know, I almost <laughs> People almost knew. It was too cold. I couldn't, was, uh, I just, I couldn't oh, pull it off. It's harsh. I came close. Harsh, but, harsh there, yeah. But then I tried to pull it off, and it was too cold. And so, <laughs> things froze. I don't know. So, and that guy had most of the great lines, because he seems like this kind of, like, dummy for the most part. Yeah. Like, he's, he's not... <laughs> um, and he really is not that great of a wooer, to be honest. What like, I love is when he causes the car wreck with Janet Lee, and Janet Lee's all like, rah, 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 and he's like, I don't like your hair. <laughs> yeah, he nags her, right? Immediately. <laughs> like, 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 yeah. When he says, your hair is unbecoming. And she's like, <laughs> what? <laughs> Here, have some flowers. <laughs> just like, what the fuck? That was such a great line. Like, yeah. She's just pissed about the car wreck. They all get to Rio, 
and they all know each other because they all have the same lighter that Edward G. Robinson bought in New York and gave to all of them. It's like it'll come in handy later. <laughs> It's a very it's a very contrived plot device. Well, well at no, one point, like Klaus Kinski's standing there, and one of the guys comes up, and he's sort of like looking at all of them hesitantly, and he just wiggles his lighter. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh yes!" Right. So Klaus Kinski plays the heavy, and if you're not familiar with Klaus Kinski, I'm sorry, but please go watch God, watch the Great Silence, right? Watch, the Aguirre Wrath of God, any yeah, sort of like anything with <laughs> the yeah, Urzog, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, Nosferatu. I mean, the, the, he mm-hmm. is a, he's like he's like a meaner Udo Kier. Like it's just like he has that same kind of look in his eye. Like I would love to see a buddy cop movie with, with Klaus Kinski and Udo Kier. <laughs> 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 that like a lethal weapon kind of. Oh yes. man, I'm getting too old for this shit. <laughs> that would be though. That'd be good. So he plays, and he, he's the smallest guy of them all, and he plays the heavy. He's the he's mm-hmm. the you know he's the guy that keeps he's him the all military in line. man. Yeah, right. Um, and he's awesome in this. Really kind of just, he's always sweaty. His shirt's always half open. Um, and so basically they, they meet. Um, you know, we spend a lot of time wooing Janet Lee and going and, and, and filling all that piece of it out. Other people are, you know, one of the, the guy who moves him around also falls in love with a native um, Rio, uh, you know, uh, Rio de Janeirian. Yeah. Arian. Um <laughs> But he can't talk to her because she doesn't speak English and he doesn't speak her language. And it's, you know, so it's a whole thing. Um, and then so we do this for about a good hour where we're trying to get up to the plot, you know, and up to getting the, the key. Like, we've got to get into Janet Lee's pants and eventually we get that part done. <laughs> and now we can start the now we can start the high sequence. The high sequence is what is really the 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 brilliance of this movie. I think the 30 minutes that they do the heist is really kind of the most fun this movie has because they've got to go underneath and like open up a a, a sewage pipe so they can drop the key through all this it's all very mission impossible esque and it's all done as best a six a low budget 67 mm-hmm. movie can do mm-hmm. this. I mean like it it looks cool. There's a cool sequence where they're, they've got to do a um, get over these like um, you know la- they're not laser beams they're, they're clearly ropes that are lit up but <laughs> but they've got to but get, they're sensors yeah, right yeah they've got to get over the sensors to get to the to the the safe um, they've got to pull the safe out they've got to grease up the wheels they got to lift it off the ground they've got to deal with <laughs> they got to deal with an, an, you know a, a microphones that are capturing anything over 14 decibels the the eponymous alarm system the grand slam 70 <laughs> grand slam 70 right which was, was just installed, installed like, 2 weeks ago like, no the day before they do That's the high, they have one day to prepare i love that that guy was like oh they they installed the grand slam 70 it's like <laughs> That's that, that only that only the, came out like 2 months ago grand slam 70 as if He's, we're all supposed to know what that is. I know, I know. <laughs> but also, I love that the guy telling us that was basically like head butler in some British household. Right, right. right. When we meet him, is sort of baking cakes. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> in his tuxedo. It's brilliant. Right? There's a lot of, like, whenever they meet these guys, there's a lot of, I'm fuck this job that I'm doing right now. I'm going to go off and now commit <laughs> I'm crimes. Fixing toys. Right, right. yes. I, yeah. I, I'm working as Did a you manservant. Say a million dollars? Yeah. You say, oh, okay. <laughs> or like Jean Paul. Go to hell. <laughs> Tells this woman, just go to hell. Right. And so once this once the Grand Slam 70s installed, they don't think that and they can't get Janet Lee's pants off. They they think that they can't do this. Klaus Kinsey's got to keep them all in line, keep them from all leaving the country and giving up on this heist. Eventually, they are able to break in, get the um get the diamonds out of the vault. 
But immediately as they do that and they, they escape from the diamond store, um, Janet Lee and the cops are already there and they figure out that the diamonds have been stolen and there's a big chase that happens. And essentially all of them, except for Klaus Kinski, <laughs> um, the gentleman's gentleman gets shot in the back of the head. You don't really see it, but it's a cool scene. It's, a, sh- it's a cool scene. <laughs> where like, he's just all quiet all of a sudden and then thumbs over, over, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and, and this is where we get like really sort of twist number one. Right. right, where Klaus Kinski has been told by Mark, right, by our big bad, to kill everyone else. And yes, it's very much a <laughs> Dark Knight kind of thing. Yeah. Where like, yeah, it's the last guy's going to kill everybody on the way out the door. But he only kills one. He only kills Jean Paul. Right. <laughs> right. Our, our, our safe cracker gets gets capped in the back of the head, and then our sort of technical guy that kind of you know fix you know figures everything out on he gets on shot safe by cracker. the cops he gets shot by the cops running back to his girlfriend who can't understand what he's saying when he's like you know flailing his arms around right yeah so so he so Kinski kind of failed at his job too right and so Kinski does he strangle John Paul or like yeah and, and then yeah. puts him in the puts him in the Jaguar or whatever car it is pushes that off a cliff of course that car immediately as its front end touches something blows the fuck up <laughs> just in a, in a great <laughs> and and, and as, as all cars did in the yes. 60s and 70s. Um, and then how does, how does Kinski get uh, no. So Kinski then meets up with Mark, um, goes to his car, and Mark shoots him okay. in the head. Because Mark wants the diamonds for himself. But when Mark opens the satchel, oh, that's right, supposed Mark to hold was gonna, the diamonds. Yeah, so, so we got a whole double cross. Mark's going to double cross Professor Anders. But Professor Anders was using that as an entire ruse so that Janet Lee, who his, his, was his friend the entire time. The entire time. So we end the film with, with our guy, Anders, sitting in Rome in an outdoor cafe. And who comes strutting up? But Janet Lee with a, you know, black satchel. Who's and, been fired from her job. Like, she, right, she has to play the right. part the entire time. Yeah. Like, oh, that's right. Yes, because, you know, she was seduced and lost the key, right? This will this will severely cost you your job, <laughs> but Professor Professor Anders cannot sort of delay gratification, and he wants to see the diamonds immediately. And so she sets the bag on the table, opens up the hidden drawer so he can see it. His eyes go wide, and. What happens? But there's less this there's a distraction. A plane that goes over and dro- is dropping like leaflets, leaflets over this diner. They all look up, and as soon as they do that, a, a, a motorcycle comes by and grabs the case, and they all and, and Janet Lee's like frantically saying, "Please, st- you know, stop, stop!" And and Anders knows that he's like, "Hey, got to be quiet because yeah. we're not supposed go, to be doing this." We're screwed. Yeah, and right. then that's it. I love the ending in this film. It's so mean, right? It's, it's so, so like and, and so like nihilistic and just oh, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it, but again, like this is one of those films you're 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 watching it and you're going, I know they're going to pull this off, but what happens then? Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, this is this is the pleasure of a film like this is watching everything. Okay, how are they going to figure this out? I know they're going to, but this is the fun. It's like the puzzle, like figure this out, and then. What's the cross? Something's going to get switched up, right? There's there's going to be a, a hitch in the giddy up, and there's going to be a twist in a in a double cross here, and then what else is going to happen? Because we still have thirty minutes. Right? I, mean, right. like, yeah. I know I know more is coming, right? um, and that that's what was so fun about this. And then at the end, because I hadn't seen this before, right? I mean, it, it was hard to find, and you yeah, had it's to not, give me a copy. Yeah. It's it's tough to find. 
and at the end, right, when I see her walking towards him, I'm like, oh, okay, all right, got it. And then and then when they steal the diamonds, and the, these, like, common thieves, I'm like, oh, that sucks. But good for you, movie. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> right? Yeah, no, it, it definitely, it, it, yeah, it has a real, like, like I said, like it's a real mean streak, especially as you realize what's happening. I mean, I figured Jan Lee was in on it for the most part. The only people that I knew weren't in it were those kids at the beginning of the film from the Catholic school. <laughs> <laughs> that was those, because they weren't actually, those are just stock footage kids, I'm pretty sure. And because they were Catholics. <laughs> and they, yes. <laughs> um, Catholics have never stolen anything from anyone, ever. Um, <laughs> I, I do think this film could have used a little bit more fun. I think it needed a yeah, little bit. I, yeah. the, the problem is it's too long, it's too serious. Mm-hmm. And the way that the end plays out is so like stark. I think one, this movie needed way more Edward G. Robinson. If had he hadn't been, yeah. kept bouncing back in and forth, you know, backing in and out of it, um, trying to keep a tab on, because it seems nonsensical that he would set all this in motion and never be part of it um, actually in Carnival. And I get that he's retired and gone and doesn't want to be there, but like, but again, I think this film needed a little bit more lightheartedness um, to it to be really, really great. I think it, it was fine. And like I said, when we were in the heist, I was really, really invested. I think the last hour is really good. But I think a lot of it up to, the, to that point just could have been pared down a lot. And and again, had there been more um, – like you never really got a great like, – Kinski was such a great heavy that there was no interplay between the people. Like everyone went off and did their own thing, right? So you were stuck with him, with Jean Paul and and Janet Lee, and then the, you know the the guy who was who was wooing the you know the native girl, and then Clint Kinski just kind of brooding around the entire time. Right. That it just kind of like felt all just a matter of like okay, well we're just let's get to the let's get to the heist let's get to the heist because this is this is all kind of getting old after a while I, I don't I don't know where I don't know how I feel and how I like this is probably my least favorite of the movies we watched um I, not that I said I didn't enjoy watching it but I this again it was probably, again because it's so difficult to find I'm not gonna go yeah. back into the do it again but I do I really did the ending almost saves it just the right. idea of like you know no one gets away no one gets away scot-free no one gets what they wanted to get. Um, we're all kind of left back. It's it, you know it, either dead or worse than we started <laughs> off. Right. And I like a movie like that quite a bit. Actually, <clears throat> I, I like I like a movie that can take that kind of bold yeah. stroke. Yeah. It's, it's not easy to end a movie on a downer because this movie is a '60s movie. You roll credits, you go to dark, man. As soon as as soon as the bag is stolen and he's like, "Don't yell," yep. you're like, "That's it." Yeah, okay. Here's who started it, and go ahead and gather your popcorn and leave the theater now because yeah. it's over. <laughs> <laughs> he just fired all his bullets. Back to the mist metaphor. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I I think there's just you know too much sort of build up into that, and it doesn't. It's it's not fun. It's not even that interesting until we get to that. But I mean, overall, yeah, no, I would say this is my least favorite of those. The high but scene is really fun when the, they're when they're when they're putting the ladder over the the beams, and it it's it, I mean it's such like a again you take ninety six's Mission Impossible yeah, and, and, yeah. and then dumb it down to to like to sixties technology, and it's exactly what that is. It's just that whole part of it's fun. The fucking the shaving cream Grand Slam seventy is on top of the safe, and they have to catch it. <laughs> it falls and he catches it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> There's just some dumb stuff in there, that yeah. just, but that's a lot of fun. But yeah, I, 
ultimately, and also the heist gets really convoluted and confusing, like what everybody's role in the heist is, especially when they are like flushing that, you know, the keys back down so they can get it back over to Janet. Like that's whole, that whole part is like <laughs> really kind of weird. Yeah. So Klaus Kinski can get the key back to Janet Lee so that she doesn't suspect that they're doing anything or suspect them at all. But then somehow she figures it out. I'm not really sure how she figures it out because it was like in a well, different yeah, position it's not a different on the key. key. But, but again, you would at that point, didn't if she she clearly knew what was going on the entire time. It's so like, why did we have to see Like, that? why did we don't need, yeah, we don't need to see that. That's like a trick on us and not. <laughs> right, yeah. which I don't like either. I, I don't, don't like. Like, oh, here, we'll misdirect you so you don't think that she's actually in on it. Because part of her role, which I think she's really good in this, and I love how mm-hmm. they try to make her ugly by putting glasses on her, which harkens back to our original title for this podcast. But right. either way, <laughs> I'm not bitter. And uh, so, but she's clearly in on it. She clearly knows. She did, and she, there's part of her that probably fell in love with Jean Paul because like, she tells him to leave and to not come back. And like, and she actually, like, makes it, like, that whole part of it, if you really kind of examine her being in on it the entire time, then her playing him and, like, playing hard to get and and doing all of that just so he'll work harder and, like, give up at one point and then still try to do it again. And then her pulling him in and seducing him, mm-hmm. that's a pretty delicious part of it that could have been... You know, but you don't get enough time to live in that world. And also, then you do the misdirect of like, oh, well, I got these key rings. Like, what did they do? No, you clearly knew what they were going to do the entire time. You would have been in on the plan. Right. And so, because again, what's really not explained is how she got the diamonds. Aside from that, she would have stolen them before they were in the safe in the first place, just knowing that they were going to break into the safe. Right. I yeah. Mean, so that was my assumption. Right. Um, but but again, I thought that too. I'm like, well, wait, how did she get that? Was there time to? Because the case was empty the whole time, so right, but, and so that's the thing too. Is like how, how she, yes, again. So I don't necessarily know if it all, if all, hundred percent. I mean, we can put together a, a story that would make sense, right. but it's not really explained yeah. how the how the case was empty. Um, yeah. So, but I, whatever, I, I, it doesn't I, matter. I'm with you. Where I dislike when movies do that, where the movies try to make me show me something intentionally that 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 they know is false, right? Just to make the viewer think. To hide your, to hide, if your twist is good, it won't matter. Right, right. right. And so if your sleight of hand is good, you don't need to show me something that you just, it will work, right? right? And so don't fake me out and then, and then lie to me. You don't have to lie to me if your sleight of hand is good. I would never lie to you. (laughs) Thanks, Thanks, Brock. Appreciate that, man. It's good to know. Okay, okay. Um, Let's, let's shoot over to Buenos Aires for, for a little bit. Juan and Marcos always work alone. Until today. Now they have one day to find, steal, then sell a -a one-of-a-kind the biggest payout of their careers. But first, they must fool a forger, a fox a brilliant beauty, charm a sweet old lady, deal in a dirty cop, cheat a millionaire, Trust each other and hang.
Hang on to the Nine Queens. Pictures Classics presents a new movie about getting the upper hand. A story that will keep you guessing until the last con is played. Nine Queens. It's criminal when there's no one you can trust. This is a, another film with motorcycle thieves. It is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this this is Nine Queens. It, this is the film that I might like more than Victoria. Um, I think this is really good. I did you know that Criminal, the U.S. film mm-hmm. that this was based off of? Have you had you seen this before? I saw. I saw Nine Queens first, and then I'd seen, but I and I knew that they were remaking this criminal because it oh, was okay. like that was like one of like at the time they were like, why are you doing it? Because it came like, okay. right on the hills of it, like so it was like, why are you remaking it? Because it's so close, right. and like it like, and Criminal's fine. It's yeah. it's it's not okay. bad, but I it's mean. it's it, it is much shorter. They, but it's essentially the same. Thing. Okay, okay. I I like this film a lot. I mean, I think that uh, it's too bad the director died so young, forty seven. Yeah. Um, did two feature films? Um, yeah, I haven't seen the R. I haven't seen it. I, again, that's one that's hard to find, it too. I can't. really, really is. I can't find it anywhere. But this film was ranked in the top ten of sort of best, of the best 100 Argentinian films. Um, it was put together by, I think, a couple of different film magazines. And as you can imagine, like, Luc- Lucretia Martel is, like, all over that, <laughs> right, that right. list. <laughs> um, um, but th- this film and Aura are, are on that list as well. So, yeah. Do you want to break this down? Do you want No, me you to go ahead. Okay. We have Juan. Juan Speaking is of a, convoluted plots. I know. Juan is a small-time grifter who gets caught pulling the same scan, scam on a second cashier in this, like, convenience store. He's saved by a fellow con man named Marcos, who pretends to be a cop. Marcos wants Juan to be his partner for the day as a way to say thank you uh, for helping him. Juan initially refuses, but he needs the money. His father, also a con man, needs $70,000 to bribe a judge to get out of jail. Juan has 50000 Needs a little bit more. So um, they do some small-time stuff like during the day. And then later, Marcos' sister, Valeria who works at a hotel, calls Marcos and says, look, there's this guy here asking for you. And this is where we learn about Marcos and Valeria's kind of tension of Marcos scamming her and their younger brother out of out of inheritance money. So this old partner of Marcos, who goes by the name of Sandler, is at her hotel, at her hotel and he presents Marcos with, with a scheme, right? There's also tension between Marcos and Sandler there's a kind of pattern developing here that's important throughout the film. So he wants help. He wants help selling counterfeit stamps, the Nine Queens, these stamps from the Weimar Republic, selling them to a, a wealthy Spaniard named Vidal, who's being deported on corruption charges, like the next day. So this guy has a hobby. His hobbies are are stamps. And and they can con him because and because he's got such a short timeline. Right. An easy, he won't be able to do a full background check on the, on the Nine Queens. Right. He'll be an easy mark, these counterfeit stamps. Right. He doesn't have time to really verify these in the way that they need to. And by the time he does, he'll be in a different country and can't come he back can't come anyway. Back. 
Marcos and Juan meet with Fidal, and after an expert verifies the stamps, they agree on a price of $450,000. Outside the hotel, the expert stops these two guys. It's like, look, I know these are fake, and I want in. I want to cut. They eventually, you know, agree, right, to this guy's demands. But <laughs> as they're walking away, as they're walking down the street, motorcycle thieves steal their briefcase that have the stamps in it and when they open the briefcase and they're like oh stamps they throw them into the river <laughs> <laughs> so so Juan and Marcos are screwed but Sandler's sister has the original stamps they were her husband's who's dead she doesn't want to sell but she'll sell for the right price and she decides that right that right price is 250,000 this is where Marcos has 200 Right from from, from the scam, right from scamming his sister, right out of their inheritance, and Juan has fifty that he set aside for his dad. Marcos is like, "Go get your money, let's do this." And Juan is like, "I don't, I don't think I can." Right. Also, you're gonna screw me out of this money. I know you are. Eventually, Juan acquiesces, brings his share, and then they go buy the stamp. So, so they have the stamps. They go back to the hotel to do the exchange. When Vidal's like, "Hey, I want to throw something else in here." And that thing I want to throw in is your sister. <laughs> so Marcos is like, if I can convince her, sure. Right? This guy's terrible. Right? He is terrible. And he just gets like worse and worse. So he approaches his sister with this idea. And basically she's like, yeah, you know what? If you tell our younger brother what you did, then I'll do it. If you tell him the truth. So he tells his younger brother the truth about how he scammed them out of their grandparents' money. Fidi kicks him in the balls. And then Valeria agrees to go sleep with this guy. <laughs> so she walks in the hotel room with the stamps, and Juan and Marcos go sleep in the lobby. And in the morning, Vidal gets taken to the airport. Valeria comes down with a certified check, same as cash, as good as cash. Right? <laughs> so you've seen Catch Me If You Can. It's the same. Seen, it's yeah. the same thing. It's the same thing. So um, Marcos is like, fine, whatever we got to wait for the bank to open. He makes some phone calls, which he does quite a bit in this film, just sort of like ducks out, calls somebody, says some things, and then <laughs> bad shit happens. So <clears throat> he's on the phone, and he and Juan are going to leave. Before they get too far, Juan turns around and plants a big kiss on, on Valeria. Now, they had been sort of like eyeing each other throughout the film, sort of, you know, throwing glances back and forth, but, but nothing major. Right, you just think she's attractive and he's... Yeah. And he's, Young and yeah, and just kind of like, yeah, whatever. Think she's hot, so yeah, gives her a big kiss. They go to the bank. On the way to the bank, there's an attempted mugging by one of Marcos's acquaintances, and Juan figures this out that this is a staged mugging so that Marcos can rip him off, and you know, Juan calls him out on it, and he's like, fine, okay, whatever. So. They go to the bank, and lo and behold, the bank has failed, and there's a run on the bank. There's no money in the bank. The board has taken all of the cash. When Marcos goes to talk to his connect in the bank, the guy laughs at him and is like, just throws the paper check back at him. It's no good. (laughs) So Marcos is despondent. Juan is despondent. Juan walks away, and we follow Juan in kind of this like lonely walk through the city. He's on the subway. He just look, he looks forlorn, right? And then he walks into this warehouse, like mm-hmm. kind of hangar, and we see the motorcycle thieves, and we see everyone else that's been in this film playing poker using chips from a cigar box that's labeled 
nine Dang queens. queens. <laughs> and so then we understand it's all been this big scam, big elaborate plot to scan Marcos out of his money to get revenge for all the times he screwed everyone else over. And then, like, Juan goes and makes out with Valeria on the couch because right. they've been together the entire time. And he try, like, and she yeah. tries to cut him back in, with, you know, on, on the 200000 He's like, no, it's your money. Yeah, I don't, it's I don't right. care. Yeah. 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 Like, we're in love. What? It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And he's going to go pay his dad's uh, bribe, right? I mean, we're never quite sure. Yeah, but that, yeah that never really comes back around, yeah. right? You, he goes to visit his dad before he, like, finishes up the scam. But Right, right. It, yeah, I don't necessarily know. It, that was the other thing that I didn't. Uh, we can get into. I don't. I don't want to get all the way to the end before we start talking about this. But th- but this. But obviously, this is one of those movies where, um, you know, obviously the player is getting played the entire time. Yeah. yeah. And but it, it's so well done that you get sucked in as a viewer, that that you realize, you know, that there's double-handedness going on, and that someone's who's screwing who here, but. You never really know where it's coming from. There's a great scene um, where Juan was sitting with his dad in prison, mm-hmm. and he's doing the um, three-card three Monty. Monty. And um, Juan keeps guessing which card is the right card, and, the, and his dad's like, "Am I losing my? Am I losing my touch?" And then, of course, at the end, all three cards are in are black cards instead of the red card, <laughs> and, and they kind of give each other a knowing look. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, but and so it, it's. It's so intricately set up and like everything. What's great about it, too, is like all of the pieces that had fallen into place have all been placed, put put there by one. And it's it's I don't know. It's just a, the, that kind of delicious comeuppance of like when the con man who thinks he's conning everybody is the one actually getting conned himself. It's like a, it's you know it's uh, dirty rotten scoundrels. It's all these yeah, kind of movies. Yeah. But it's like where you just you never know where something is coming from, and the arrogance. You know, of of his of her, her brother. What's his name again? Marcos. 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 Yeah. So the arrogance of Marcos of like taking this guy under his wing and and pulling this what is a really ridiculously simple you know chain scam um, at a convenience store and trying to and then seeing that the convenience store clerk switches switch. out and he's going to do it again and um, like. I would have loved for the convenience store clerks to have been at the table, though, too. Like, that would have been like, good to, There's yeah. so much stuff like, like, where I would have loved to have seen all of this so orchestrated. Um, but, I mean, to that extent, it really is. What's great about all of this is, like, Juan letting Marcos just kind of dig his own, on his mm-hmm. own grave and like, sit here and listen to him and, like, play the rube, but also, like, um, let him gain more and more confidence and, and and kind of play kind of an opposite of him and like where Almost he's like there's a point where he picks a newspaper off of the ground and out of the trash and he goes up and he yells at a newspaper guy who's um, you know he's like hey you sent me the wrong paper you always send me the wrong paper why are you sending me this paper and he like throws the trash one down and picks up a new one it's like why didn't you just pay for it it's like why would I pay for it when I don't have to yeah. like it's all these like things that it was just that, that he keeps like kind of exposing himself um and so by the time that you get to, the, 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 and I love all of those scenes, and there's a lot of movies that do this, but when you walk into a room, Inside Man does this as well. When you walk into a room and all of your players are there and you realize, oh, okay, this has all been an act. This has mm-hmm. all been part of the game. And, and what's so funny, too, is like you look at something like Spanish Prisoner where it's also um, you know, so meticulously planned out. Like all of the... 
all of the notes are there for Marcos to 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 have his have the skin on or have the hair on the back of his neck stand up like from the newspaper clipping that they give him about the the Spaniard right that's he's going to be deported to these nine queens like he doesn't know anything about stamps so the nine queens don't exist in any form right <laughs> no, it doesn't matter no, like, no. and in utilizing a guy that he's screwed over and then after he screwed him over in Sander he screws him over again, again. and basically says look I'm not going to give you anything but you get 10% because I'm being a nice guy right, right. because you're about to die <laughs> and you can't do this on your own so I'm going to take it take it from you and do it for do it and so like all of that they just they let they almost give him out throughout the time and you kept thinking well surely he's going to pick up on that he's being screwed especially the second, time, the second or third time you watch this through like yeah and he falls into it the scene where uh, Juan has the the wedding ring in his pocket the entire time, and he gives it to Valeria at the end. But mm-hmm. like this idea of like he was able to scam you know this old woman out of more than just a few pesos of what he was trying to get from her. Um, but he and he actually gets a wedding ring that he gives to Marcos for at, at one point, and Marcos he bets him and wins it back for yeah. him. <laughs> uh, you know, and of course the bet's rigged as well. You know that all of that like you know so just it's it's so so much fun. The only thing that doesn't ring true to me and I guess maybe it's just a little sticking point is the bank collapse like that doesn't seem like a necessary part of the ruse like you you all he was already on guard like and he would have never suspected one so if the cashier's check had just been fake and it had to have been wrapped up in this financial collapse of right. a you know of a or a collapse of a financial institution had Marcos gone into the bank to try to cash it, and they'd be like, "No, we're not. We're not. We're not going to cash this for you. This is a, clearly a fake check." I think I, I. I don't know why you need a the, the bank collapse. Don't you to be think he would have? Do you think he would have realized at that point if the if the if they said this check is not real that there was something else like going on? I don't. I don't because. They, but, got, but, they got but, like but, a tip uh, off the day before that the bank was going to collapse, and that's why they they they, they put all this bank. together. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's why they picked like that registered check, right? And then Valeria's like, "Look, we do this for people all the time at the hotel, right?" We, you know, it's a good point. I, so I mean, but I, I I don't know because I you know because they can then explain that, and he's like, "Oh, this is like real, right? It's from this bank, but the bank fell apart." And it's like this crazy mayhem scene, and oh, who could have predicted this? I, I, <laughs> right, I mean, right. but I mean, of course, it's fortuitous. It's, it's fortuitous. T- it's tight, that, hey, for on sure. this day, the bank is going <laughs> to ah. <laughs> and so, but again, like the guy who Marcos knows at the bank was someone who Marcos has screwed over anyway. True. So there's also, I mean, but yes, I mean, look, there's there's a lot of like moving parts here. And for the most part, they all match up. Yeah. Right? But there are some, like you said, there are some <laughs> moments where you're kind of like, mm. the part the, the part that really stands out to me, what's what's the most delicious part is that Marcos never realizes that. It's like like he understands that Juan is suspicious about the 50,000 because he even comes to him and is like, oh, you had 2,000 and now you had 200,000 and you now you need my 50. And that's what I told you I had earlier. And like, this is yeah. too, like, you're going to screw me out of this money he never realizes that should be flipped on him right, as well. right, <laughs> that, right. oh wait a minute we yeah. have the exact amount of money that we need to buy these I know. Two. like huh weird <laughs> that's that's wow. that's impressive um, but but i mean they're playing his hubris against him right, right. And, I, and i think that is i mean part of of the story is that look this guy is so proud so arrogant that he can't see any of these warning signs because he cannot be made a mark right right everyone right. else yeah the, the world is my mark i am no one 
there's all these scenes too where one is like, I you know I don't do these types of scams because I don't want to be I don't want to be a spectacle. I don't want to make you know I don't want to <laughs> to cause it, draw attention to myself and like and, and so all of it is just basically laying Marcos bare and what? like exposing him for who he really is. Yeah, I mean it's the whole time he's like, I don't want to be you, right? And he right. just never like what I don't understand like. Again, like, why would I pay for this paper? I don't have right. to. Right. Everybody yeah. else is everybody else is a sucker. I'm not the sucker. Everybody else is a sucker. Right. Yeah, right. Right. it's really, really good. Uh, it's it's like these guys play it so well. They look like these kind of downbeat, low level con men too. So it's just you know these guys that are just hustling around for essentially pennies. If they were to put any of that, any of their effort to to actually getting a real job and working in the world, they probably could do just as well. But just like the guys in Collinwood, right? I mean, yeah. Right, if right. You, all this effort to get a Malinsky, all this effort to kind of undertake this, you could do something else with that, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I look, I, I think this is a very well-acted, well-directed, um, pretty taut, I mean, mm-hmm. it's a, I mean, it moves quick. Yeah. Um, I think it's almost two hours. Or yeah, it's like an hour and 40 okay. and change. Or something. But it, yeah. it, it's fast. It's it's breezy and, and, and tight. Um, but, yeah, I love the direction, love the acting, um, love the script. I think that um, Belinsky, the director, I mean, really injects some kind of, like, sass and a different attitude into this. Because it is. I mean, I think Spanish Prisoner and, like, House of Games are two sort of referential pieces for this film, but yeah, there's something different, something Argentinian in this film. <laughs> it doesn't. A good confidence game movie doesn't matter if you've you've seen it a hundred times before. It, right. it, they always seem to like work for me. Like if, if it's done well and you know and it's it's well put together. If if the con is a good con, I think this I could watch these over and over and over again. I never get tired of them, even though I've seen them a hundred different times. It's like it, it just it's it's mesmerizing and it brings you in and it's it's never. I don't know. Like I said, it's never Agatha Christie, right? It's uh, there's always ways to figure this out. Yeah, yeah. It's just a matter of whether you're looking in the right spot. <laughs> right. That this idea that someone's going to look you in the eyes and, and take your watch off of you, uh, and then and sh- <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. There's just something that's really you know magnetic about that, and I, and it just it, it, I, I love that I love that story. Yeah. Well, and so much of this was about being charming, right? I mean, so like when you know they have the bet about you know can can. I bet you I can get this woman to hand me her purse voluntarily. The way they do that is just through this kind of charm initiative, and, and, and so that's part of it. It's like this human sort of scam. I mean, and, he, and he gives her purse back, too. Yeah, it's not like, right. so he stops an elevator, he stops it between floors, and is like, hey, I'll take your purse, and then I'll get yeah, you. Yeah, I'll help you up. Yeah, give <laughs> right. me your purse first. Yeah, that's And great. she hands it, and again, she hands it to him, and to not to Marcos, because Marcos is like, I'll take it if you want. Mm. And she's like, she's like mm, no, 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 I don't think <laughs> <Yeah>. so, right? <laughs> uh, no, it's good. And, and Ricardo Darren, who plays Marcos, is like one of the most prolific and famous Argentinian actor. He's in in like everything. He's good. He's good. It was great. It was great. Drive us home (laughs) with Fast Five. With F asked Ive. Cars. 
home sweet home. This just went from Mission Impossible to Mission of Freaking Sanity. Stick to the plan. If you're gonna survive, stop thinking like a cop. You're in my world now. One last job, and then we disappear forever. I mean, look, these movies, I think this is really kind of like, maybe other than Danger Diabolic, the kind of big popcorn fair film on this list. Right, sure. And part of that was intentional on my part. Because this one I picked, and I was like, look, we have to have something that's just, or I'm sorry, I have to pick something that is, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I uh, yeah. So fast five. We were so let's just to catch you up, right? In chronological order. God. Look, we we start off with a Point Break story in the in the Fast and the Furious, <laughs> where a young upstart FBI agent is looking to take down this crime wave that's sweeping Southern California. Uh, and they're street racers, man. So you got he's got to Johnny Utah it and get involved with the street racers, and integrate himself. And low, but problem is he fell in love, and he got enamored with the lifestyle. Who did he, who did he fall in love with? Uh, yeah, it's a good question. If it was Dom or his sister, I don't really know. It's it's look, and by the time you and so and that's a really good question, and really uh-huh. could have been like, so. Yeah, look, he does the obvious thing because it's Jordana Brewster, right? So I mean, she's cute. And but Dom is is a is a force of nature in that first movie, and of course people like like Jordana Brewster says, you know, people are drawn to him, and so so he lets him go at the end. He can't go back to Lompoc. He's not going to do any more time, man. i you know I've got to like his good friend Jesse's died. He's gotten shot down, and that and that one character just never came back. <laughs> right, that other guy. No, I forget his name. Yeah, I don't know. He, but he just like disappeared right, yeah. from all the movies. He's, he wasn't part of the family. He was just gone. <laughs> <laughs> he was like a bastard stepson uh, or something. <laughs> <laughs> Just disappeared. Um, so in part two, Dom is gone. He's gone down to South America to because he's escaped. He did what he said he was going to do. He escaped and he's gone down to South America. And so in part two, Brian goes to the other coast and is living a street. He's fallen in love with. He, he, he's now he's he's street racing. He's surfing, right? I mean, he's living that lifestyle, hanging out and, with Luda, right, hanging out with Luda and and a bevy of uh, scantily dressed women who also drive cars. And then, so he has to come in, and the the FBI needs him again. They need a racer, so he gets him himself and his childhood friend Tyrese to. Uh, to go in and infiltrate Cole Hauser's drug running <laughs> ring. Say, yes, yeah, they, they catch Cole Hauser. Um, and Cole Hauser, woefully underused in these types of roles. I think this this should be the only type of role that he plays. I know he's in Yellowstone. I think or some other one of those spinoffs or what have you. But like he's he's always the guy from Dazed and Confused and Goodwill Hunting to me. And yep. and this yep. Too Fast Too Furious. Now this movie, really. Eva Longoria is the pseudo love interest, but I'm pretty sure that Brian and Tyrese, Paul Walker and Tyrese, are in love with one another. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that is like the most, of all of the Fast and the Furious movies, this is probably the most homoerotic Fast and the Furious film. This is also a 
John Singleton film, yeah. which I always forget until I watch it. And then I'm like, <laughs> right. oh, this is a John Singleton film. Yeah, yeah. Um, still good. I, I, st- I here's No, no, no. Right, I like, right, right, I like right. all of these movies. I can't, I can't deny. I mean, like, it's just... I will watch all of these movies. Look, I like here's it. the thing. Also, I will watch them when they are on. I, they are infinitely rewatchable. Whether it's just me laughing at them or not, I, I don't know what you use for like cable anymore because I don't use terrestrial cable, right? I mean, does anybody? But but like, you know, on YouTube TV, that, uh, one thing I love about it is the DVR cloud system. I mean, the cloud DVR where I can just like record things and they just stay in the cloud like forever. And I have like all of these recorded in the cloud, except I never watch them on the DVR because they're on all the time and I'll just sit there. And watch them when they show up on like TNT or TBS right. or or whatever. <laughs> so yes, I I will watch all of them. I don't I don't know how much I like all of them sometimes, <laughs> but I like to sit there and just talk shit to the sure. TV screen. <laughs> so let's put a pen in Tokyo Drift because Sorry. chronologically speaking, Tokyo Drift doesn't happen That's for a while. What the fuck, right? So. And so, <laughs> look, Justin Lin knew what the fuck he was doing. All right. So we get to part four. 4D chess. And, <laughs> right, yeah, he's, yeah, no, man, he, we're all back here playing checkers. This guy. <laughs> so part four, uh, we go down to Mexico, and where where Dom is, he's stealing gas tankers, doing all kinds of shit. We got Han there. Han is rolling with Dom. Eating and chips. We've got, our, we've got our destruction crew, our destruction twins down there, and they are wreaking havoc in South America, in Mexico. Brian's down there. Now he's fully entrenched back into the FBI, and he's going to take down Brava, a drug smuggler, and he has to get back in, realizes Dom is there, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, and at the end of the day, end of the day, he and Dom come to an understanding, you know, and they they take down the bad guy. Him and Jordana Brewster get back together, and unfortunately— Dom gets captured. He's tired of running. He can't. At the end of the four, he's like, "Look, I've been running this my entire life. I'm not going to run anymore." Letty, Letty has also been killed. Letty's been killed by yes. Brava by these guys. Well, quote unquote killed. Well, you don't give anything away just yet. <laughs> We're not there yet. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. But yes, sorry. Letty's died. So Dom's Dom's love life, um, you know, Dom's the the love of Dom's life is gone. So he decides, I'm not going to run anymore. Brian. Tries to get a lenient sentence, but they're like, look, man, you've been doing this shit for too long. <laughs> 25 years to life in Lompoc for, you know, whatever. Okay, cool. You helped bring down an international drug smuggler, but yeah. but, but here, 25 to life. <laughs> that doesn't wash away your stealing so, gas. So that ends for part five. We start off with Dom's team literally trying to kill him before he goes to prison. <laughs> That's right. They. <laughs> he, Man, who is who is who's in the third car? It's Jordana Brewster. It's Paul Brian, Walker. and it's the two demolition twins. Do we ever see them in the third car? I don't know, but that's who's there. Okay. Or no, maybe it's Han. Is it Han that's there? We don't see the okay, yeah. There are three cars. We see two people driving. That's <laughs> right. why I'm asking, right? Yeah, because you never see who's in the third car. Yeah, I don't know. I guess there you just three, assume like, that it's black, Han. fast, like oh no, Brian's driving what the 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 Dodge, the GTR, this whatever. Yeah, the Dom drives right, and that's why the bus. Oh no, he's driving. Yes, that's right. That's why the bus doesn't like plow into the car; it like bounces off of it <laughs> because it's like quadruple reinforced. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how this was a good plan, but no one was injured. 
as we're told in, in the news, the news coverage. But they they attack the bus that's taking all of these prisoners <laughs> to Lompoc from Mexico, I guess, or wherever they were arraigned and and and, and the trial was, to and and, and through the desert, and, and so the the car yeah. comes up. Brian gets. I guess I can't even remember how this all works out. The machinations of this is really confusing. But anyway, they 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 they, <laughs> atta- like they, a surprise. they attach some wires. Shit happens. <laughs> Brian gets in front of the bus as it's and it it hits him and then flips over him and rolls a goodly twenty times, <laughs> killing everybody inside. Right. Yes, everyone is dead. And then and so is Brian. And then you get um, you heard with Purd. At, on the newscast talking about how no one's been hurt, but everyone's been <laughs> Miraculously, no one has been injured. Only one person escaped. <laughs> right. Sure. Sure. Right. Okay, so now we're all, now Now everybody's wanted. Everybody is wanted by the cops. And so we're all going down to De- Rio de Janeiro because there's no extradition there. And now we're living our best Life. We meet back up with Vince from from part one. He is there with his wife and uh, son, who's also named Dom. And, and Vince is like a, a heavy in the favelas, right? I mean, he is apparently respected. And so, yeah, so en- enough where they are using him to to steal cars while yeah. he's down there. So the the local um, the local drug heavy. Played by Portuguese uh, mm-hmm. Phil Hartman, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> Joaquim de, de Alameda, who I fucking love, but he is the Portuguese Phil Hartman. That's so guy. Oh, yeah, I will never. <laughs> um, he hires Vince and his crew to steal cars that are on this train, and because in one of the cars uh, is a computer chip that outlines everywhere his stash houses are and where he's keeping his money. The feds have uh, captured the car. They're going to break the car out. Um, it's good pay. Vince needs Dom's help. So boom, bada bing, bada boom, we're going to do this thing. And Vince and, and Brian are still not cool because you know... Because uh, being a cop. Because he was a cop and a buster and you know and all that kind of stuff. You no saw one him. would listen to Vince. Right. And why would you? And so uh, while they're heisting the cars off the train. The DEA agents are there. Uh, Ray has his people kill the DEA agents, and um, they're going to kill Vince and Dom as well, but they're able to get the car off, and they're able to do this ridiculous escape from uh, from the train itself. They're trying to get all these cars off of the train. Mia takes the car and drives the car that has the chip in it, drives off, and Brian gets stuck, and Dom has to come and... and <laughs> Brian's on a tr- on the train as the train's going towards a bridge. Dom's in a Corvette trying to get to Brian and has to catch Brian with the Corvette. Right. So before <laughs> before the train goes off, Brian jumps onto the Corvette and the train um, and and whatever car he's in that gets stuck gets blown away. Gets back it's behind like the there. big tractor trailer thing. That they right. Right. Yeah. That's that weird government thing or whatever it was. And then, but the Dom can't stop the car in time, so they, they go off the cliff. They jump on. Brian jumps they're, up. They're on the car. On the car. And like, the, like, like if you jump off it just before you hit the ground, <laughs> gravity works in a way. What I fucking love about yeah, the, it's the, like the, so they're yes. so serious too. Yes, like they knew this shit was gonna happen from Jump Street when they got in the car. They knew, oh yeah, we're gonna have to fly this thing into the river, and we're gonna. So you remember how to like stand up yeah. in a car that's going down? You know how physics work, right? 
<laughs> right, where you just jump up like you're on a surfboard, like a sky surfboard, and then you just jump away from, like you just, you just push away from the car. Because that's what happens when like elevators like collapse, right? And everyone's sort of like, oh, here, just just jump and, up before and, it hits the ground. And, <laughs> and they go right to the water, and they're fine. Now, they get captured by Reyes' people, they get tortured. They're able to escape, of course, because they're superheroes. But now we've got a problem. Mm-hmm. Enter the motherfucking rock. <laughs> who's Wait, now- can I just say something though? So like when when Jordana Brewster gets in the car that the bad guys want. I mean, she gets in the car because Dom's like, "Oh, something's fishy here. You take the car." <laughs> right. But this is I, a female car. You go drive that one over. <laughs> right. It fits I, her better. I know. I'm like, okay. She's got tiny hands. Let her steal the car. <laughs> but what I love about movies like this and, and situations like this is Dom just says wait for my call. And she, like, knows where to go. Like, they just got to these... I, I love that these people know people everywhere, and they apparently know all the different languages, too. But it's like, he's just like, go wait for my call. Like, you know where to go. And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, you just fucking got that. Well, like, where do you know how to... There's nowhere to go. And they're also, like... They also have ridiculously weird tech. Like, where they... they like, they're on the train. They need tickets. But they're able to, like take that guy's thing with their f- and they have a phone that like I, it was, I have no idea what the hell was going on they basically right like there. copied a, a key card right, right? as they were like walking security up badge. Yeah. yeah and like that's all it takes to encode <laughs> but also they're broke right so like where do they get all this stuff because they're broke it's like oh we need this job because like, we're you know running on fumes and like, but how did you afford all in Brazil, or, or, or Rio. I mean, in this right. case, where yeah, you're just like you're. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> like where did you get all of this? <laughs> just like that. Yeah, at, at the local Best Buy, <laughs> I guess is where you got right, it all. Right. At the local weird tech store, that's <laughs> like it, it, instead of bodegas and favelas, you have like. <laughs> so the Rock comes in because the DEA agents were killed, and now he knows. Like one thing we don't do is we don't let him get into cars. And he didn't sound like that. I don't know. That's my really bad <laughs> Rock like impression. Stallone or something. Right. Better have your fun to wear on. Hey, I mean, like every line that he reads off of this is like it's written by the WWE. It, it, it's he plays this like Vince McMahon wrote this movie mm-hmm. for him. Mm-hmm. Um, he decides that he needs the hottest Brazilian cop. It doesn't matter if she's new, but he needs the hottest Brazilian cop to be by his side to help cap- capture Dom and his crew. Well, he needs a translator who can't be bought because her husband was killed and she is. But on Dom a righteous act. But Dom does not does not. He has a bunch of nondescript guys with him on his team that, that carry machine guns. But he does not want any part of the local police force involved in um, you know in this job to capture Chase. Dom and his team. Yeah. Right. I mean, he's like he's like Tommy Lee Jones in the Fugitive. But also, is this the only time we hear The Rock drop an f bomb? Stay the fuck out of my way. I mean. I'd Maybe be, I, recently, okay. then, because I mean, I know he was doing it earlier in his career when he was in "Be Cool" and the rundown. And he's done okay. some R. Yeah, he's done no, some R. stuff. That's so. true. Yeah. Okay. 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 Um, he has. He's not quite like that type of. I mean, he does tend to play dark when he wants to. I don't mm-hmm. think he'll do it anymore. I was going to say, but that was like um, back when but, he was kind of first. Right. Um, like doom. <laughs> right. <laughs> so they go back to the car. They figure out. They get the chip out of the car, and they figure out. Oh, this is where all the things are. So now let's bring in the family. We're gonna I mean like so they do a very welcome to Collinwood bullshit thing where they're standing on top of a, on a bridge and they're like, all right. And then this is the stupidest, stupidest fucking scene where Dom already has this entire plan mapped out in his head. We're gonna need 
you know, we're going to need a demolitions guy. We're going to need a tech expert. We're going to need a guy who can talk his way out of anything. And we're going to need to know someone who knows how to do guns. And we're going to need to know two kick-ass drivers. And Brian's like, we got that. You know we got that. we got that. Like, Paul Walker, and I, I mean, and I don't. I don't begrudge. Obviously, he's dead, so that's terrible. But I don't begrudge him his 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 fan, his stardom. But man, is that guy a Keanu Reeves? I mean, like of, of a genetic lottery, like a most beautiful person in the I world know. type of thing who cannot act his way out of a mm. fucking page. You don't think bag. Keanu Reeves can act? In a very limited sense, yes. Mm. I do not think Keanu well, Reeves is is a is a great actor. I've seen well, Dracula. I've seen Devil's Advocate. I've seen some of the. I was going to say more. like Parenthood or my own private Idaho. Yes, I think or the, or given the right and always be my maybe. <laughs> I think given the right director and the right material, Oscar yes, he's role. great. Um, okay, but yeah. I've seen Hardball. I've seen a lot of. I've seen a lot of stuff <laughs> no, where. Right. Um, no, I don't. I've seen uh, what's Speed. that one where he? No, I like him in Speed. But I have, what's the one where he goes to the mailbox with Sandra Bullock and talks through time portals to uh, the Lake House? Okay. Um, there's a lot of mo- like uh, movies like that where he's just a good-looking face. Paul yeah. Walker. Like, you give him limited stuff, I think he's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but, Anything. man. And it's fine, because he doesn't need to be a good actor like, in this. Like but like Mansion. <laughs> right, but that's just this so, role. So that, was, like, that was terrible. But that was even worse. What was the one he did where he was fighting those Russian mobsters? Um, it wasn't Brick Mansions. Uh, but the, his kid ended up, he was like, I can't remember now. It had um, other people in it. <laughs> Who's good, the good, who's good the, content? Who's Jason. the chick from The Conjuring? Uh, Vera Farmega. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it was her. It was that played his love interest. I mean, anyway, I cannot remember what it I was. I don't know this one. He was pretty good in that. Okay. Um, but he's so the, he's so terrible in these movies. So terrible. It's like yeah, you know, we got that, bro. I mean, this like fucking. Of course. All right. Whatever. All right, sure. And so they call everybody in. They call. And this is this is the brilliance of Fast Five because Fast Five takes us from the car culture. Um, you know, and these guys, these car culture meets uh, meets Point Break, basically meets cops, meets robbers, mm-hmm. and we're we're enamored with the lifestyle. And takes this from an Avengers type movie and a heist movie. Mm-hmm. These now these guys are now superheroes. Mm-hmm. They can do anything. They don't need to have logic around it. They just they snap their fingers, and the shit that they want works. And then this is also the first movie that brings in a recognizable bad guy, quote-unquote bad guy, because Rock's not really a bad guy, but he's an opponent. And then from everyone on out from this, they, always they do the exact same thing. A- and they always kind of get integrated in in some sort of way in the next film. And that's the brilliance of what Justin Lin did, is he he, he reinvigorated the series with four by bringing Brian and Dom back. Well, and, and there's a singular bad guy in that, too. Right. And it, but it's just not it's, it's just not quite as memorable right, as, right. like, The Rock in this, in this right. case. But, but yes, there is a singular bad guy that they're fighting, they're, they're common fighting against. And then he starts to bring back all the Shea pieces. Wiggins is who I'm talking about. <laughs> yes. They start bringing back all the pieces of the other films that you loved. You've got Giselle. You've got Han. You've got Tej. You've got Roman. You've got the guys you don't really know about, but they're, they're the, you know, the fun comic relief guys that yeah. are fine. Um, <laughs> and... and <laughs> And and then this movie just becomes it's this moment that Tyrese walks in. This movie takes it. It takes it. One when Tyrese and Luda meet, and they're like giving each other shit. It just takes it to the next fucking level. It's like, a lot of fun. It's just so the fact that they never gave those two guys their own spinoff movie really is like surprises me. But but here's the thing because this is ludicrous. And look, what is ludicrous really best known for in his hip hop career? Cameos. Yeah. I mean, True. he comes in, he drops, like, a couple, a couple lines in a song, and you're like, fuck, that was amazing. But if you listen to his whole album, you're like, eh. Right, yeah. <laughs> so 
I think that explains it. I still think I, th- I still think you could build like again, but, but it couldn't be any worse than like a Hobbs and Shaw, right? And that's and and that's you took the two worst characters, right? You took the 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 two. I mean, like a Han and Giselle movie would have fucking killed. That would have been oh, like awesome. a Bonnie and Clyde kind yes. of thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, especially after this movie, when you had a little bit of cachet, and this makes and this makes so much money, you could have diverted off and then come back into. Back into six and mm-hmm. seven, mm-hmm. Um, and just kept coming back in, but like, and kind of doing a reverse Avengers type thing where you start doing one-off films, but then coming back into the big Fast and the Furious family movies, but you still get a little bit of more flavor of of Giselle and Han and Ta- and Tej and Roman, and then leave let Dom and Brian go off and do like let them pop in occasionally, like like you did with all the other superhero. Let movies, them have right? their honeymoon, <laughs> right? Yes. Give them some time, man. <laughs> God, I would love to see in an alternate universe where Dom and Brian are in love. And that would like, be so awesome. It really, really would. Yeah. Yeah, that would be so good. I'm not even kidding. So, look, why why aren't there more sort of like queer movies like this? Like I actual, think the money's like, too the money the, the money's too much. The money's too much. You know what much. I mean? Like, right. That would be why not? Anyway, I, I, yeah, maybe we'll get there. I mean, you saw some of that in the old garden. Like, there's a couple. Like, yeah, th- that's true. That's I mean, true. I, it, it, but to make them the main focus, and you wouldn't have to have them. You know, in lip locked. I mean, like it's not like him and Jordana Brewster. There's a whole lot of sex scenes in between them. No, it's but, a pretty. Cha- these are pretty chaste films. I mean, th- I mean, so, there's a lot of like ass shaking. <laughs> right, right. And like you know, oiled up boobs, but there's no. Right. <laughs> what? No, no, no. Well, you're right. I'm, yeah, I'm just. God. I'm just thinking about you're them like in a, my head. You're like, <laughs> you're like an eleven year old. I say boobs, and you're like, oh my god, rock us up boobs. <laughs> <laughs> Especially right. in part three. All right. um, <laughs> so now we've got the team together. Now and now we've got to figure out. Okay, we know where all of Reyes's stash houses are, um, and so and but you know they're like, hey, look, we rob one, he's going to consolidate, and it's like that's exactly what we want, man. The entire time, that's what we wanted. But so as we hit the first one and we we, we steal some drugs and we and we burn those drugs because we don't even give a shit, and then he moves all of his money. Into the police, into the national bank or whatever that's run by all the so he's got all the police underneath his thumb. Mm-hmm. So now we've got to switch up. All the while, Rock is still hunting our heroes down. In fact, most of the point where we they find him in the favelas and um, Rock chases uh, and so and so and so there's a big like triumphant mix up or ma- match meet up there where Reyes's team and Rock's team and our our heroes are all there and they're all running through the favelas to like escape and, and try to try to live another day essentially and the Rock's team takes out the the, the Reyes's team and uh, tells Dom you know basically kind of shows their hand to Dom saying this is who we are and and you know and we're coming after you all the while we find out that Jordana Brewster is pregnant and clearly wants to create some sort of miscarriage scenario for herself as she's running <laughs> she's across. jumping off buildings and crashing through other buildings. What I love about the scene where she tells Brian and Dom that she's pregnant, there's a scene, there's a moment in, in, the, in the glint of Dom's eyes where he's almost sad. It looks like he's, he's a little disappointed that Brian and, and Mia are actually having sex. Like he can, it's okay if they're dating, but like, but the fact that they've, they've, you know, they're not even married. They're not yet. married yet, and he's oh, all about family. And then and he comes around fast. He comes around fast, and and but, but I, I, there's a there's a moment, just a pause. It's a real. It's subtle, but it's there. He's like, oh, he's Catholic. Yeah. Right? I mean, they are Catholic, <laughs> right? Um, 
So through a confluence of events, basically um, the Rock uh, has some of his agents killed. He's like, so they they end up going to find Dom and Brian out on the streets, and they are like, they're like, you're under arrest, and they're like. Pfft. No, we're not. <laughs> like, this is Brazil. And they hold his arms out and shows us this. And everybody's got guns. <laughs> and, and so, and, and, and the Rocks team goes, hey, man, maybe another time. So uh, the, part of the time, the, after a while, Ra- Reyes is killed as part of the Rocks team. So the Rocks like, you know what, fuck it. Just for a little bit, I'm not going to take you guys in. I'm going to take Reyes down first. And then and I'm, I'm in on whatever you guys are doing. So the team decides to steal the safe, a 10-ton safe with 5,000 ton or five tons worth of cash inside of it. $100 million, they're all going to walk away with $11 million if it all goes off well. They take two cars and they attach themselves to the, to the safe. They pull it out of the bank. All the while, uh, The Rock is kind of running interference with Reyes' team and helping them get th- um, through the city of Rio while they carry this tank and kill, literally kill, kill thousands of people. Thousands of, of civilians. <laughs> like, there's no doubt about it. They just died. They, yeah. this, 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 this gigantic 10-ton brick is swinging across. Even if they didn't kill people, they caused hundreds of millions of dollars worth of damage to Rio. <laughs> like, this city is not going to recover from this for years. This is like a natural disaster. They come through and they swing it around. They're able to swing it around and, and hit all these cop cars. They end up killing, well, they end up, Wrecking Reyes's car out on the bridge, Dom is and apparently able to- knocking Jason Momoa into the <laughs> river. Right, I guess so. Uh, we'll find Spoiler, out. Like, yeah, we'll, we'll find, find out, out soon. Later this year in Fast X. <laughs> is Mia- that in the? Is that in like the Pearl universe? Is yes, it's the, the okay, okay. it's, it's the Mia Goth. It's the Mia Goth crossover. All right. <laughs> um, so Reyes is the It's the movie that Maxine is actually <laughs> in. Yeah. Right? So Reyes crawls out of his car. Rock walks up and puts two in his head um, because he killed his. So the Rock in, immediately doesn't give a shit anymore. He's just, he just straight up murders a guy. Um, no one cares though. And, but no one cares. And, and the Rock's like, there's you know, no double standard like, here. So I guess making good with me earns you about twenty four hours, pal. But you know the money's <laughs> yeah, got to the money's got to stay here. So Brian and Dom drive off. In the sunset, into hands. the into the sunset, holding hands through their car windows, <laughs> and the rock, you know, the rock smells what's cooking. <laughs> Sorry, go on, and, jabroni. And, and, and he opens the safe. Somehow he opens the safe. I don't know how he. I got it open. <laughs> Just and he looks inside, and the safe is completely empty. It's the practice safe that mm-hmm. they needed to use to open. It. And so none of the destruction or mayhem was actually required. <laughs> <laughs> Like maybe they're pulling it out of the bank, a national bank, and 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 pulling it down the street. But they end up switching it out with the with, and they they put the um, they put the actual safe into the back of a, a garbage a garbage truck, and then they get trapped on with a fake safe, and then proceed to drive through the city. And our our heroes get off scot free. Um, we we meet up with um, the uh, demolition demolition crew, and they are, they're gambling away their winnings. <laughs> at a foreign casino, sure. uh, Tej and Roman are um, buying matching young cars. young women and, and matching cars. That are, young women. And um, and then you know they dump up off a bunch of money to Vince's kid and his his wife and, and there's and then luckily um, Dom finds love with the Brazilian police girl and um, who's and so he's gotten over Letty and that's fine and. Uh, 
now we go all and we're, wherever the hell I forget where we end up now. I forget where we, where Six starts like off. The Canary Islands. Yeah, something. Like, well, so so now mean, we're having Six a barbecue. Starts off. Oh no! Wait. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't no, know. Six starts off with Rock coming and finding Don because he's got a he needs his help, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, That's and, right. And so because Eli- in the Canary Islands. Well, yeah, I think okay, so. Because okay. Eliza Pataki's topless on top of Dom in in that. But anyway, they're all having a barbecue, and Brian and Dom are like, you know what? Um, I want to race you for real. No, oh, right. no, no bullshit, no more. And so this was the first one. So we they race off into the sunset. Everything's happy ending. We're all good. And then this is the first one that does a post credit scene where we find out that not only are do are we still involved with the ch- the, the cop from um, Eva Longoria, not even Longoria, is that Eva Mendez? Eva Mendez. <laughs> yeah. So many so many Evas, it's hard to keep up with. Eva Mendez from from Too Fast Too Furious. She drops a she evidently she now works for somebody who The Rock works for. So she drops a file off, and The Rock's like, I'm too busy to look at this woman. And she's like, You're gonna want to see this, The Rock. And he's like, All right, whatever. And he opens it up, and it's. They got a picture in Germany, Letty's alive, and and leading a ring of yeah, you know, high speed car thief, criminal car, car whatever. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that's that's the end, and we go directly into six, seven, eight, eight nine. nine. But after six is when three comes into play because that's right. Is that right? Because that's when Han dies. Because after six, we go to Tokyo and that's when Statham comes in. Right. Because six is when Giselle, Giselle dies. kind of sacrifices right. herself for Han and then Han goes back to Tokyo. Yes. And, yes. Up, and then and ends up dying, but not dying. Which again, I mean, okay, look, I, I like sure. Han. So oh, no, that, he's so like that, the coolest motherfucker in the world. That cat. Um, Have you ever seen Better Luck Tomorrow? Uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. so good. No, he is just, he's, uh, yeah, Sun Kang is, like, just the coolest in whatever he's, I, you know, I bet in real life he is, he is just I too, bet he smells too good. cool for me. Oh, I bet he smells wonderful. <laughs> I bet I just want to curl up in his arms and hair. Yeah, no, I just I want to listen to him talk. I want to listen to him like read the newspaper or something. Right. Yes, so, just yeah. read the weather report, a la David Lynch style. It's fine. <laughs> so, Look, so these, this got weird. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but cool. I, this is the first time. Like, really, six would ramp up. Like it, Lynn did a good job, I, and and him taking over three, which I still I look three. Is still fun to me. One because it introduces Han, but I like I like the drifting. I like that it took it in a different direction. You, wait, I like. You, are Lucas you talking? Black. Are you talking? So you're talking Tokyo Drift? Yeah, I'm talking Tokyo okay, Drift. Okay. Yes, because I know technically that's three, but it doesn't. It's I not Fast like, and Furious three. It's just Focus Furious Right, Tokyo Drift. because Fast and Furious to me is always like three. three right, but this is Fast Five. <laughs> right. No, I know, and, and that's why I thought that's why it never makes sense. Right. Me. Yeah. So. so. Yes, I'm sorry. I mean, to, yeah, but you like Lucas Black, okay? Yeah, I do. Okay, I thought right. he was great in Sling Blade. I think he's fun. I think he's fun. I think he was good in Friday Night Lights. I think he's fun in Tokyo. I think he did the best he possibly could with the, the plot of Tokyo Drift. Yeah, and I think that if you took that as a standalone movie and you didn't tie it to, if you didn't have the disappointment that neither Brian nor Dom were back, that movie would be fine. It's just that you were like, okay, now we don't have anybody back, and now we're just going to do this thing, right? And obviously, Bow Wow's not the best, but I mean, like, but. But he's not bad either. Right. I mean, like in that, in that bad, and then you introduce Han. The bad guy's cool. You're fi- they're they're racing the Yakuza. I mean, come on, dude. That's a pretty fun movie. Like, and it's also it's a- I did. I wasn't talking about the movie not being fun. I was talking about Lucas Black. Oh, you don't like Lucas Black? 
I think he's bad. I, I think I, he's bad when he comes back into these movies. I oh, think he's, he's terrible. He looks awful back. too. Like, or he just, he's he, he turns like a cartoon. I mean, more yeah. than like anything else. Th- and so. that's that's problematic because they didn't give him anything good to do to yeah. bring him back into this. Which they should have brought him back in six or something. They should have given him. I mean, like Han should have pulled him in, like knowing that he's stuck in Tokyo doing something. I don't know. I don't know how it would work out. But I mean, you could have brought him back. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, he doesn't look, I mean, I don't know. But I thought he was, he's all the pretty horses. He's, he's had a decent. Okay. Okay. Oh. I'm sorry. I was really just talking about this film, but I, you know, I look, it, be a Lucas Black Defender. Mm. That's, that's fine. I'm not necessarily but that, but that telling text, you that That Texas draw works in Tokyo Drift. Okay. Okay. That, oh, and look, <laughs> look the Kid Rock song aside in the opening sequence of, of Tokyo yeah. Drift, that's a yeah. fun race sequence when they're no. racing through the it's a fun movie. It is a fun movie. I'm just not sure. And they, I mean, so they, they even make black. fun of him in the movie. Like, my, my ride. My they, ride. Oh, okay, look, okay. We're, no, we're going right now, and we're fucking watching Tokyo Drift. <laughs> cool. Cool. I'm, I'm going to Obviously, I'm going to have to watch this again and, and, <laughs> and see the error of my ways with, with Lucas Black. <laughs> okay. God. Um, look, I mean, look, this is a fun. They're all fun in their own way, even as much as they are ridiculous. I think we're starting to get the, 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 the uh, diminishing returns at this yeah, point, right. I, I mean, mean, this is it, right? They're going to do a two-parter for ten, and then hopefully this, yeah. I mean, like, uh, and they may—I don't know—I don't think Hobbs and Shaw did well enough for them to do another Hobbs and Shaw. God, that was—it was terrible. And I don't think—and obviously, The Rock won't be back for because him and well, they him won't and do anything. Vin Diesel together, can't yeah. be in the same room together, so it's Diesel's career. Is another that's it's an interesting like if you look at his early stuff and like how he was really kind of poised to be when he did Pitch Black, I really thought that he was going to be and I, I know he carved a niche for himself that didn't exist when Stallone and Schwarzenegger and Van Damme and to a lesser degree Seagal all existed in this like action movie realm, right? And then it kind of died down, right? And then and then it, Diesel starts making the Pitch Black movies and looks to be kind of like the the next um, heir apparent. Uh, before you start getting like Batista and Cena and these guys and you know, the real wrestlers involved, but but even before then, because he was in Saving Private Ryan, before, yeah. I mean, he was doing other stuff in the Iron Giant, uh, <laughs> right. but he was doing other stuff before the Pitch Black. And I, I I I don't know. I was surprised that he didn't do I don't know more stuff like Saving Private Ryan. Instead, he like really leaned into the I think Pitch his Black, I think his ego phrase, stuff triple X really kind of right? killed him. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Because um, I think he didn't. He didn't do knock around guys. I haven't seen in forever. It seems it was um, okay. I. I mean, I. Boiler Room is not great, but, but I like. I just it. mean like yeah. different roles for him. He right. just really kind of like I'm just this now. Even yeah. like the Last Witch Hunter. It's, I mean, it's just like another version of right of those characters. He didn't do part. He didn't do Too Fast, Too Furious because he was doing Triple X, and that was Triple X was another Rob Cohen film, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um, that was it's basically kind of his, his own starring thing. And <laughs> Rob Cohen, the pizza guy in the first <laughs> yeah, Fast yeah, and Furious. Yeah. Go on, pizza man. <laughs> Throat's closed. <laughs> That's the guy who didn't come back anymore. Yeah. <laughs> the cops, 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 cops. <laughs> I've watched, I remember when that first movie came out and it being such a phenomenon. I mean, like, and it obviously didn't make as much money as these movies have made, but like, it just being one of those movies where, like, all right, I'm in the parking lot of the AMC. Now I'm going to drive like an asshole out of here. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, and, and you hear that stereo? It's factory. 
it's 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 bizarre, and it's really a testament to these movies that they've maintained quality pretty pretty consistently across the entire nine film franchise, and I guess ten if you consider Hobbs and Shaw. But if you just if you just take the main storyline, it's crazy that one they started making more money at five, six, yeah. and seven. And then still, like, we're able to maintain that quality because it's just that's really just ridiculously unheard of. Right. But also, I think five, six, seven, and as we've gone on, we've entered into this realm of the only thing that makes money are franchises. True. I mean, like, you know, bigger original films aren't making money. So I think the quality has to be there because they're like, this is the only thing that's going to make <laughs> right. the, money. The, the, yeah, the 1.5 billion worldwide. I mean, it's, like, it's, it's weird because it's like this, Star Wars, Marvel, those are the things that are bringing in and then getting budgetary. And weirdly Avatar for some reason. Anything else you want to add? Because they're pr- probably going to kick us oh. out of here. No, no, no. I'm good. I think uh-huh. that I think that was a good six films. I mean, that was that was fun. That was a sort of yeah. fun fun travel down the rabbit hole of of heist films and crime films. So so next time we're going to jump into David Gordon Green. You want to do the first four? Yeah, let's yeah. do the let's first do four. George Washington, All the Real Girls, Undertow, and Snow Angels. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. Um, Oh, what was your, um, yeah, so out of those four, which one are you, I mean, like, have you seen all of them? I haven't seen all of those. I have seen. I haven't seen Snow Angels, for sure. I haven't seen Snow Angels. Um, Undertow has Dermot, Dermot Mulrooney, or is it Dylan McDermott? Dylan McDermott. <laughs> and uh, Josh Lucas, if yes. I remember right. Yeah. Those I have, I haven't seen, look, I haven't seen those first three in a long time. So, so I looking. hated George Washington the first yeah. time I saw it. I saw it at the Angelica, and I was like, what is this bullshit? I'm, I'm interested to go okay, back and yeah. revisit it. I think I actually may even own it on Criterion. I had to go back and look. Um, <laughs> he but, hated it so much. Well, he bought know, it. I just buy <laughs> shit on Criterion sometimes. So. <laughs> hey, this looks cool. Um, Pe- people like my Criterion collection. <laughs> right. Chicks dig it. Well, and once I got to, once I got to Criterion, I was like, maybe I need to revisit it. Um, I... Love. Now, we could have a discussion about if Criterion is sort of the arbiter of quality and cool. Agreed. Agreed. But... I loved all the real girls too. That's so, what you were gonna say. So all <laughs> it, it was. All the real girls really truly blew me away. So I'm I'm anxious about watching that one again because I'm a little afraid that it's not gonna do up. it's not gonna hold up. But I'm interested to see if I was missing something on George Washington that I just didn't catch in the first time. Because I remember watching it, I gave that one an F. Like I just I really, really, really hated it when it first came out. Wow. Um and so I'm yeah, I'm, uh, we'll see if, if uh, time tells differently. I know Undertow and, and Snow Angels are a little bit more pedestrian. They're not mm-hmm. quite as mm-hmm. art house. Uh, I mean, they are, but they're not, you know, it's still him kind of bouncing up. Then when we get to the sitter, that'll be a real interesting. We're going to get to a real middle section here that's going to be know. hard for us. I know. I'm, I'm <laughs> so, but I think I think these these first four will give us a nice kind of platform and groundwork to then to then build off of. And uh, I, I'm I'm really kind of interested and excited to kind of dig back into his catalog and to see how we got to Halloween ends <laughs> to make these connections because that's what we do here. That's what we do. We're just bringing it all back you together. You can't see it, but on the wall we have like these like red string tied across everything, making connections to David Gordon Green, to Michelle 
Piccoli. It's, it's right. Nine yeah. Queens has uh, motorcycle uh, thieves. As so does Grand, Grand Slam. Slam. It's Grand Slam ties back in Danger <coughs> Diabolic. It's all it's all connected. Screamers. It is it's all, all connected. Connected. So yeah, okay. if you want to watch those Undertow, Snow Angels, All the Real Girls, and George Washington, um, the first four films of David Gordon Green, not in that order that I just gave you to them. Actually, reverse order, I think. Maybe no, it's all close. Yeah. Pretty close. Pretty close. <laughs> quit, quit while you're ahead, Wiseman. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, as always, thank you for listening. And keep screaming. You have been listening to Why Does the Wilhelm Scream with your hosts, Brock and Jason. If you like today's episode, do us a favor and rate, review, and subscribe in whatever application you use to consume podcasts these days. You can reach us by visiting whydoesthewilhelmscream.com. If you are in the DFW area, we would love to see you at a Fort Worth Film Club event. You can learn more about those and find a full schedule at fortworthfilmclub.com. And you can learn about my foundation and how we are trying to foster the next generation of film lovers at realhousefoundation.org. That's R-E-E-L housefoundation.org. Till next time. 